Welcome, welcome back to Ladies with Gumption, episode 154, Love Boat, part nine, drip or drown. I am May, and I'm here with Tatiana and Jessica. As always, we typically recap all the shows, but this week is a, you know, special week as we go over the ships of the Arrowverse that are still sailing on, um, even the ones that have sunk. We will talk about those too. <laughs> uh, but before that, you can always find us, uh, all our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Um, we are over on Tumblr, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com for all your lovely feedback. You can send all that too as well to ladieswgumption at gmail.com. Um, we have been doing Patreon episodes, exclusive Patreon episodes about different things that are not um, DCTV related, like WandaVision, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we did Loki, we did Shadow and Bone, we did Black Widow, we did Mortal Kombat, Godzilla versus Kong, In the Heights. As you can see, we're very eclectic. We do everything <laughs> and anything that you want us to or that we want. Um, so if you have any suggestions, something that you watch that you really want us to talk about, we would love to do that as well for you. And you can sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash dctvgumption. In the news, we have Solo Meriduen Meriduena, am I saying that correctly? In talks to play Jamie Reyes, a.k.a. Blue Beetle, for the HBO Max exclusive movie. Uh, thoughts on this casting? Uh, I love the casting. I think the last name is Meriduena, but I don't know because I have not heard it said. But that's what I imagine. When I there's like an X. Sounds right. I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm sorry, people with X's in their names. I don't know. I would <laughs> say like like a <laughs> Jolo, but I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I feel like it's like most like because like for example, like Xavier would be like would still be Javier. So mm -hmm. like, but it's probably not Holo. So <laughs> it's, like, it's probably Zolo. It's Zolo or you know something like that. Anyway, yeah. Either way, excited for the casting. Um, and I'm just excited in general to see Jamie Reyes, uh, Blue Beetle. I feel like. HBO Max or just in general, like streaming stuff has been doing really well. Like people are, mm -hmm. are invested in it. So even if it's not gonna be in on the big screen, it's still like people are gonna get talking about it and be excited about the character. And it's great because we're not really I mean, we've been going to the big screen, but not as much as uh, usual, obviously, for obvious right. reasons. So yeah, everybody can have access to this. I think yeah, it's, it's more accessible. Mm -hmm. Um which I think, you know, people always talk about, you know, why are some certain ones going to streaming or not? And I, I do think it is because a little bit um, the streaming is like a testing ground to see like where the appetite is for it. And then that can open up to bigger and better things. But I also think just streaming is just more accessible in general than going to the theater. Um, so it just gives people like a, a way to be introduced to a new character um, and Free 99 <laughs> included with your HBO subscription <laughs> is a lot more attractive <laughs> than trying to go out to like a theater. So I think I think this will work out well and I'm excited for for him and just like the movie in general. So it's it's good look. Indeed it is. And then we also have um, Saturn News. Supergirl's last day of filming was the other day. So everyone said goodbye and it was it was really sad just to see it because they had these uh, great group pictures and it just like I love it the felt cast. Like everybody so was there, like you know. Yeah, Chris we had Wood like, is back. You back. have um, like Jeremy Jordan's back. The mom's back. Mm -hmm. Danvers' mom. Yeah. So everybody is on deck for Damn. the last days. Let me forget the <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> the legacy of the show. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, so everyone's, you know, coming back for the final stretch of episodes, and that's going to premiere in a couple weeks, so that's very exciting. Um, but yeah, just sad that it's ending, but happy that it happened. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't be, don't be sad it's over. Be glad that it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the Suicide Squad, which is a sort of sequel to 2016 Suicide Squad, is so now out better. in theaters. It is so much better. It is yet. so much better, yes. It's on HBO Max, uh, which you can watch it, which will probably we'll probably talk about that uh, eventually as well. And then the Doom Patrol trailer. So that's coming in September, which is very exciting. So they released the first trailer and there was a lot going on. I did not you know, <laughs> absorb it all, but it's, it looked, you know, it's Doom Patrol is a good show. And then they're trolling, they're trolling. Uh, what if what tag if, like, on Twitter? I feel like all of the DC shows are trolling. <laughs> Peacemaker had like a thing about like, what if I could, I didn't want, and he's like, I can't even write it out. I can't even write out peace all the way. Like, I know it's lie. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like responding, they're like responding to like people that were commenting. He's like, even when I die, I will rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So whatever intern is in charge of that account was on one today. <laughs> yeah, whoever runs the HBO Max account specifically, because the CW ones are trash. We yeah. need those. We need those guys. <laughs> well, they get paid better at HBO Max, probably. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and then we have Star Girl uh, premiered season two on Tuesday, and Titan premiered season three with the first three episodes today. Um, and we will talk about those later. <laughs> right. Next. Yeah. Yes. Um, we do have some feedback. Joe has some Krypton feedback, but do you want to read that? I think we, I think because this episode is, or like episode is in this podcast, it's just so big that we could probably save that for um, a different episode. Okay. But she will, we will come back with Joe's yes. Krypton thoughts. We love you, Joe. You. We will come back to you soon. Um, we see you and we hear you. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, in the meantime, we do have our Love Boat episode. So if you have not listened to our previous parts, basically we talk about all the anchor ships, which is like the primary ship of the show, sub ships, which are like floating along um, and are not as epic as the anchor ships. And uh, how, you know, well, you say they're not, because some of them might be yeah, some of them as are epic, more. but they're, that's, they're not like their primary responsibility is not carrying the show. Exactly. They just are support. Yeah, so how, like, the show's treated them, fan reception, the writing, everything, and all the things. And um, Jessica will take us away. Yep, so um, this is just anchors away. The, the theme is, like, drip or drown. You either are, you know, all in, and the, and the ship's, like, doing so well, or it's just drowning because it just cannot handle the weight and the pressure <laughs> that comes with the responsibility of being a ship. Um so basically, as we have introduced before, the episode is going to be on the structure of the anchor ships in the show. Um, and those we've talked about, our criteria is it's on three things. The strength of the foundation of the ship. So how the, the story of how the characters got together and the strength of their the foundation of their relationship. Um, two is the writer's emotional investment in the ship. Because if the writers do not care, it will show, <laughs> as we will talk about. Um, and then three is the reception of the audience um, to the ship. So if you have like all three of those hitting, then you have like a really great anchor ship and it's it's really supporting the show. And if you're missing one or more of those, then you can run into problems that could either hinder, um, that could possibly hinder the narrative of the show. Um, so we have 
we our problem child graduated and left the house, so Arrow is gone. <laughs> um, and so, we're so relieved, and yet yes, we miss it. We have. I will the, say I was looking for it on the on the sheet. And I was like, what am I gonna say about Arrow? Oh, Arrow's not here. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Who is left? We have the golden child, uh, who has seen better golden years. Um, I feel like the golden child, the Flash, was was waiting to pass along the torch to the middle child, which was Supergirl. But Supergirl <laughs> decided to leave the nest before the Flash. So you're like, damn, what do I do now? And then the wild child's like, hand me the keys to the castle, bitch. We got Legends <laughs> of Tomorrow. Um, that came up big this season. Hold on. This is like... Barry and I are just having Bart and Nora. Nora is like yeah. <laughs> the safer child. Bart's the wild child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, at least it's reminding you of that and not of Barry and Iris with the forces. It's true. Because that was the first thing I thought. Like, oh, God. Um, and then we have Our force children. <laughs> then we have the wild child, the Legends of Tomorrow that, are, that pulled in pretty big this season with some of their ships, um, specifically the anchor ship. Um, we have the emo child, which is Batwoman. Um, she went through a lot of changes. <laughs> we will talk about that. <laughs> and then finally, we have Black Lightning, which I called, like, last time I called it, like, the old head because there was, like, the elder with mm-hmm. Jefferson and Lynn, more mature ships. But now I kind of, like, rebranded it into the play cousin because it feels like family, even though they never really, like, integrated them fully into the Arrowverse. So there's just, like, you're, like, my cousin, but you're just my play cousin. So um, those are our ships, and we will start with... The Golden Child, The Flash, and the anchor ship, West Allen. How do you feel as the West Allen fared um, this season in their, their anchor ship duties? Well, um, I think that they are still going strong. Are we just jumping in? Why does it feel like? I feel like we're so, I'm like, wow, we're already starting. We're already here. But anyway. <laughs> I also they don't believe. need an introduction. Exactly. I, can't, I also okay. can't believe Do you want me to give you an introduction of, of no. what? I, <laughs> no, can, I can do that. I can do that. I was just trying to like. <laughs> no, let's get the ball rolling. Camp. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Let's get the ball rolling. But like, uh, you know, season yeah. seven saw Barry and Iris. Um, they, at the back end of season six, we had the mirror verse. And so finally season seven, Iris gets out of the mirror verse. A um, little bit of, of, bump in the road because Barry kind of like lost his emotions and so he pulled her out and she almost like died but she was cool um so they kind of reunite to stop the mirror monarch and we flow into season seven where they create um the forces um in the process of trying to get Barry's speed back and um having forced children is not all it's cracked up to be because they are not appreciative (laughs) and want to kill each other so they had to deal with that during the first half of the season. And in the back half of the season, um, Godspeed comes back into play. And we also get Barry and Iris' children from the future. Um, so there's, on the surface, a lot of family level, family building, um, family references between Barry and Iris um, and allusions to them being parents. And um, that is basically the themes of the ship for the season. So how do we feel like the writers um, executed their themes and ended with West Allen Bell Renewal. Cannot forget that because that yeah. saved the whole season. Um, but how do we feel like the writers um, executed their thematic elements for this ship? Yeah, I think that like the way that you put that is correct, right? Because it's not like the themat, like it's not like the theme there of West Allen and what they were trying to push through was bad. It makes sense, right? 
they are a family, they are ready to be parents, and now they're going to transfer, you know, their love is all powerful. And now they're going to like, pass down that legacy just as the show is passing on its legacy in its, you know, twilight years. And yet, the execution of these concepts was so bleak. I just, I don't know what the problem is. I guess partially we can just tell that um, our beloved Eric, my little meow meow, is just very um, all over the place, right? It's hard for him to keep track of the story he wants to tell or the way that maybe he wants to tell it. And so a lot of times uh, West Allen got lost in the mix of <laughs> unnecessarily cheesy storylines that <laughs> we never asked for in the first place. Um, plus, you know, maybe the pandemic, uh, situation also led to slightly less affection than we would like, or the way that we would have no um, normally have expected it. Um, so while the audience, uh, still obviously, uh, wanted, <laughs> uh, West Allen and was looking forward to more West Allen, the storyline did not, uh, deliver in the way that it was intended to. Um, so I, I still feel like definitely the vow renewal, the fact that it happened in the finale and the fact that it was connected to the most exciting thing of the, se of the season, which was the, the tornado nut twins showing up, still shows that West Allen are kind of the driving force of the show. But because there wasn't any like gas in the tank for most of the season, the season overall just felt like it was really dragging. Um, and even, even when it was about West Allen, like sort of, <laughs> kind of, with the Forces storyline, right? And like, oh, what's that? I'm going to be parents. The way they went about it, which is like such a roundabout way of doing it and just so many unnecessary hoops to jump through to get to what could have just been an interesting story of West Allen preparing to be parents mm -hmm. in a straightforward manner. <laughs> we did not need to have like, you know, big Nora or Speed Force Nora or whatever we're calling her. Um, so yeah. That would be my my overall thought on it. I think that they're they definitely like took a lot of hits this season, not in a way that like affected the actual ship or like the integrity of the ship, but the integrity of the show, right? And mm. the strength um, of the ship to push the show forward. It needed a couple of repairs, which you know the finale gave us a boost. So hopefully next season will. It was a nice us. little little patch job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How did you feel, me? Um, I mean, generally the same. I do still like the aspect of that that West Allen as a ship can inspire stories, like the fact that their love created, rebooted the Speed point. Force, and, you know, the whole concept, as cheesy as it is, like, love saves all, and they're like, you know, to say dialogue, like, our love is as strong as the lightning bolt that hit me seven years ago, oh, yeah, things like that. that. So it's like... The, that they're still there. They're still very much anchored. I think Eric mentioned as, you know, as much as he's, he is all over the place, he thinks that this is the greatest love story on television. I was like, that's really sweet. <laughs> but sometimes, Eric, we would also like you to show that more because I feel like, yes, West Down started and ended strong as a couple. So like they always end up book ending the seasons because like the beginning of season seven was technically the end of season six. We always have those reminders of how strong of a couple they are and that they are the driving force of the show. But I will agree with what Jess will say and that the writing isn't 
as deep for them in the, anymore in the middle of the season. They're like the Arrowverse trophy couple the writers bring out to show off, polish, mm-hmm. give them great moments to book in the seasons, and then get back to whatever the hell else they're trying to do. They forget about them a little bit, and then they bring them back out bec- to remind everyone like what is at the heart of the show. And I wish they would just remind us more often. <laughs> remind yeah, themselves. Like reminding themselves. Remember, yeah. Yeah. We remember. <laughs> we everybody wants that. Fans are still like seven years in. People are still clamoring for more West Allen. Like it clearly is a very popular ship. No matter no matter who still hates on it or whatever. But it, they they trend whenever they you know, have big moments. Iris always trends too. So it's like the the anchor is there. They are strong as a couple. The fandom is strong and wanting to see them as a couple. And I feel like the writing isn't always good when it comes to like showing us the smaller moments. Mm-hmm. Like Tati said about the whole, you know, wanting them, them wanting to start a family. Why don't we have, you know, I feel like because the show has lost the everyday elements of it mm-hmm. and they're so focused on the big picture, we lose a lot of those little things that would make, that would give us those moments of them, you know, whether they want their fears, their worries, whatever it is that they have baby Jenna. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Things like that we miss out on because the show has become so plot heavy and that kind of drags down the the show. Like when you you know, you can have a meta of the week, but you tie that back into like what's going on with Barry and Iris, you know? So it's it's something as simple as that that we we as fans would like to see more of. And that said I do still think that they're like such a powerful pu- couple that pulling off those big moments for them, like the vow renewal, like the parallel finger spark at the beginning, um, still really still works really well. Like the writers know they're still great, um, but it, it's still again it isn't enough. So like they do have, um, they did have more as a couple this season in season seven versus season six, just because of the fact that they were separated for most of season six, and then the first half was more focused on like, oh my god, Barry's gonna die, psych, um, but then. We just need those little, little moments. So there's still the gold standard, but I like wish that the writers would really remember that, you know, gold needs to be taken care of if it's going to continue to right. shine you brightly. Gotta polish it. You got to clean it. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I agree with you. I, I feel like a lot of what's missing are those everyday elements, not just for what's Alan, just for like all the characters in the show in general. Um, there seems to be a lot of that everyday element that is missing. Um spark on the show as a whole um and this is an issue that's been going on because i feel like we had the same kind of critiques for season six as well and i was so like most of the season was really really difficult to get through in terms of the the ship it was i was very much ready to drag (laughs) i was about to say like you know it's it it's over for the retire the battleship um like the entire season just felt like this once great warship west allen is now like the black pearl it's like a ghost ship <laughs> it's a myth <laughs> and it started it was even starting to get overshadowed for me by its slightly smaller younger sibling avalanche over on <laughs> legends like i feel like there's you know in terms of ship strength um avalanche really did a lot to push their ship forward and i feel like um west allen could be doing more um, and then the finale happened, and it kind of proved that even when this old brown mare, she ain't like she used to be, <laughs> the, the ship knows how to, when it turns it on, it can deliver when it needs to deliver. Um, because that, you know, kind of was, um, I think Eric was saying it was a present to the fans, and it, it felt like that. It felt like 
finally, like, here is the ship that we're meaning to see. And it's kind of crazy because, like we said, um, you know, there's fandom, West Allen fandom appetite for the ship is huge. But also, I think just in, gen- like, general audience, too, and, uh, like, a lot of um, even, like, fanboys are saying, like, you know, there is just something off, and why isn't Iris involved in, like, the pregnancy plot? Like, she's just, like, suddenly missing from that. So she's, you know, it's, it's even obvious for people that are not um, as invested in, in the ship as, like, like not out, like outside of the, the shipping fandom can also see these cracks. Um, and even though, like, the West Allen vow renewal ended the season very strongly, um, and there's a lot of, you know, like you said, with the them creating the force together, the spirit of their love created an entire force, uh, forces, and then you have, like, um, you know, their children coming back, and you have um, their vows to each other, and, you know, all of these, like, good, small moments, there's too few and too far between it doesn't really excuse the rest of the season what we got um and like i said like before like we ha- it takes three things to make this sh- like anchor ships work the strength of the foundation which we know is there it's like that's the gold standard and we know it's there and the writers know it's there because they always just kind of like throw it back just to be like yeah we didn't forget um the audience appetite we've already said established is there for it um the main ingredient in this case that's been missing and for the last two seasons really is the writer's investment in it and without it like the ship just kind of feels hollow like it felt really hollow for most of the season even though these like thematically these are big moments for with Alan because it's about family it's about like the um with the forces even though it was like clumsily done um the idea of burying iris birthing something into the universe um the parallels there of like what it would be like for them to have children and be parents, the actual story of them trying to have um, babies, you know, felt really hollow because Iris is missing for half of it. Um, So, you know, what should be strong thematic elements and what should have just boosted the ship to another level. It just kind of was more of a whimper than a bang. Um, So I feel like that is, an issue and Eric talks like all this like flowerly language around how beautiful the ship is but we don't see any I feel like they are just taking it for granted that it's the gold standard and people love it and that they don't have to work for it so that is kind of like an issue there's like a lot of like surface level focus but no real like investment to help them anchor the story um, which is what they're supposed to be able to do. So that being said, they do have some support in other ships, but do we really have, like, I feel like there are established submarine ships, you know, secondary ships, but can they even, like, you know, the writers are already struggling with West Allen as an anchor. Did they really do any better with these submarine ships? Let's discuss. So <laughs> we have um, two canon and one non-canon, but almost canon. So we have Cisco and Camilla, um, which a lot, their se- season ended with them leaving Central City. Um, C- C- Camilla was also trapped in the Mirrorverse. So there was a parallel there between 
um, Sismilla and West Allen in that, you know, loved one is separated and, you know, the other didn't know it. So they have something similar in that. Um, but other than that, the other main storyline was just them making the decision to leave. Um, then we have Cecile, Joe and Cecile, um, they they had a one kind of like moment towards the beginning of the season after like the fourth storm seal gets hit and she's unconscious and joe's like oh my god um <laughs> once she is kind of like awake and back in the picture they kind of separate towards he the middle her, to, he leaves her for he leaves her for cream <laughs> they separate into separate storylines and we don't really see them together for much of the rest of the season um and then the non-canon ship um, that is on its way to becoming a ship, I believe, is Chester and Allegra. Um, and so they have, you know, they're building their friendship. Um, a l- lot of the the build in this season, um, Chester is helping, like, Allegra story with her um, Esperanza, her family issues with Esperanza. Um, and then when Esperanza dies and Allegra has a crisis of conscience, Chester is there to kind of, like, pick her up. Um and remind her that she is a special snowflake. So, <laughs> oh, I forgot. We do have another canon one. Um, and I forgot to put them in here. But Frost and Chillblain. Oh, yeah. Would be uh, the other one. Right. And basically, it is an enemies to lovers kind of deal. Um, she thought he was hot. Then he betrayed her. <laughs> yeah. Then he betrayed her. And then they both went to Iron Heights. And then she got out legally and he got out illegally or something but then it was like legal and then like i don't know it's like a, <laughs> it's like a the investment was high as you can see <laughs> but, you know let's go down the line of um the sub ships and what we think we're they're doing how they contribute to the narrative or not well i think i will say i do think the strongest one still is Seal, even though they have been separated for most of the season uh, in a, like, more dramatic way than West Allen <laughs> have been. Or not even dramatic, but just, like, more obvious, right? Like, they have a child, but that child that should be connecting them, we don't ever see them interact with it, talk about it. No, you know, nothing is being evolved or changed because of their of their dynamic through it. So that's, like, a pretty big sign that the writers just, like, don't care. And we did interview, with, at the Flash podcast, we did interview um, Eric Wallace. We did ask, like, what is the deal with that? And basically, he was like, it's just because of, A, COVID. I forgot. (laughs) Yeah, right. Because of COVID, and then also because we want uh, Cecile and Joe to be seen as, like, their own, as, like, their own people, like, their own two, you know, characters instead of just being a unit. Which it's, like, fine, but I also don't think that there was ever a danger of Joe Seal being Joe Seal, you know? Right, because it's not like they can't show them in other scenes and also being at home taking care of Jenna. (laughs) I mean, and, like, we met them for, we've known them for seasons before they became a couple. So it was just kind of like, okay, sure, I guess. I don't really know where you're going with that, but sure. Anyway, point is, though, they still are the most stable couple, and they still do act, they do take turns acting as the parent figure for many of the characters. So in that sense, they do bring um, the story together in one way or another, like the support system that they are meant to be. And you can still look at the little, the, the minor parallel, right, of... Cecile asking Joe to marry her basically at West Allen's Val renewal. So we still see that they kind of like go hand in hand for the writers in one way or another. That being said, the fact that the writers allowed him to have such a long storyline with Kramer 
that was like weirdly, there was like some weird tension going on there. I don't know what we were supposed to feel about that. <laughs> um, uh, does show that that the writers aren't really all that invested. And also the fact that like, like you mentioned, they had that really nice moment where Cecile almost died and Joe's really worried about her. Why wouldn't he ask her to marry him then? You know, like how is it that the next step in their relationship is just her asking because it's happening to someone else for the second time. <laughs> it's just like, hey, listen, you know who else would like to get married? Me. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit off, a little bit weird. Uh, are we going to go through all of them? You know, like I do all of them, then you do all of them, et cetera. Uh, we can bounce around, like, oh. you know, all since right. we well, started then, with Josiel. Yeah, I said my have... piece on Josiel. You're much kinder to Josiel than me. You are, because I was not. I thought you were saying the parallelism just being separated for half. Well, that too. That too. But well, I feel like if if we're gonna draw parallels, I guess with West Allen being the anchor ship, then Josiel being separated this season didn't really hit the mark because they forgot that they were separated. Like it wasn't an issue. Exactly. They weren't. They weren't sad about being separated. They just right. were separated. It's like, <laughs> once she realized she couldn't find Joe, it's like let's let me talk through his voicemail, leave him a long, lovely, you know, beautiful message about how much I love him. Um, so we did not get any of that. It's just like Joe has no signal. I guess I don't need to contact him right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it was really weird. I mean, I do still think that they are obviously the you know parental figures in. The other characters' lives, you know, always there to give advice. We had Joe come back to himself and was like, you guys are parents, you're fine, you're responsible, blah, blah, blah. Which was a nice moment. And then I think he had like another moment with Barry and then Cecile with Barry, which was kind of weird. (laughs) (laughs) Never forget. I feel like it would be more interesting if they did act more as as a unit because I feel like Cecile on her own tries to tries too hard tries too hard I was say. I like <laughs> with with joe it'll be like a reminder that yes these are the elder the elder couple respect them they can give you mm. advice they can love you whatever yeah, i don't think cecile pulls off the joe no not no, as well. no she does not as well nope. which is the yeah. i feel like a lot of times it's more like she's the one who sometimes needs help versus the other way around and right interesting this is a strange dynamic. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, they're still there. And I think that the fact that Cecile brought up that she does want to get married eventually. Maybe they will at some point have like a small, I don't know, go to the, the courthouse or something right. and just get their little document. But let me just go ahead and do that over the hiatus. <laughs> but, like, but definitely as a ship, like I often, especially this season, I forgot that they were together because they're not acting as parents together. They're not talking about their jobs together like they did in season six. They're not doing any of that. And it's bizarre because, like, Joe did have a job-related um, storyline, whereas Cecile forgot that she was supposed to be a she DA. She didn't even help him with that storyline, <laughs> like, did she? Because, like, the only, like, Allegra was the one that was talking to him in, when he was, like, in his funk. Mm-hmm. So I don't even remember how much, if anything... Cecile helped push Joe in that storyline. Right. So, yeah, it's just, there's there's definitely a disconnect. And I don't know if they're, I don't know that the writers care enough to, like, invest too much time in them. I think they like them both as characters. And they sort of like them together, but they don't really care to actually show them together. Like, if they don't really do that with West Island sometimes, then they're not really going to do it with other ships. And we've seen that to be true with everyone. So, 
Yeah, I definitely feel that way, that it's just that they've established that Joe and Cecile are together, and then it's like they think that that's all that they have to do with Joe and Cecile. Um, you know, it was I thought it was weird that they were forced into separate storylines for the majority of the season and didn't really interact very much with each other um, after that whole Cecile episode. And they also had better chemistry with other people, you know? So, and, you know, that in addition to them being not in each other's, like, orbit, it's just kind of like, uh. Um, and then I agree, like, I feel like Danny was trying too hard to have Cecile fit in with the younger cast rather than giving her a Jill-level connection as, like, the the, parent, the parental figure um, or the mentor in other everybody else's lives. And I feel like, I don't know if it's, it's like, a consequence or whatever from Jesse's accident with his back that they have also because I know that they you know they pulled his role in the show back a little bit after his his back injury um but I also feel like they are trying to push Cecile more to the forefront and just have her be that adult in Star Labs and it like we said it just doesn't work as well um, so I don't know yeah I would I think it would work better if they established both of them and I think it's like also like weird that Cecile does not have her practice up right. and running or that what it's like established right Eric doesn't <laughs> care about it like he doesn't care about Iris's journalism so it, it, she's like moving around with like you know kind of like jobless with the young with yeah. the youngins and I just with feel the like youngins. Yeah. <laughs> well now they're both unemployed so I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Right, there's so much material you could get for stories from that, even yeah. if you don't like, you know, even for people that don't like Cecile, and they need she could like, be bringing in, in the new Bendy humans. Yeah, and then they need people in those like authoritative like roles mm-hmm. with Joe and the police force, Cecile with a connection to um, the law, like like the with the government, with like the jail system, and we just like are not getting that from that relationship. Um people that do have jobs and left Central City to go pursue those jobs are Cisco and Camilla. <laughs> um, <laughs> but do like this, you know, I guess it's, it's, it seems like a moot question to ask if the writers really care about them either. Cause the right, answer yeah, is I like, know. no, I feel like there's like a sliding scale here. Like here's the problem. So West Allen had full fandom investment and a very, very strong foundation, but they lacked the writer drive for these last couple seasons. And so they've a little bit faltered, even though they still have the ability to capture the spark, they falter. Then you have Josiel, who do have a strong foundation. They had a good buildup. They, they were there. They've been there for years and years, but the fandom doesn't care. They have no fandom investment. And again, the writers just slapped. You know, they were just like, eh, whatever, we'll just, just do something. So it's like, it's far weaker than West Allen, even though it still has the original, you know, support of story, of narrative that it could have had. And then you have uh, Camilla and Cisco, who have nothing. Nothing. There's, there could have been phantom investment had there been a foundation to start with, right? Like, we were there to give it a shot, and then they totally dropped the ball after killing off um, Cynthia. Cynthia for no reason. Um, and then after that, they're just like, well, we killed off Cynthia to show you how cool Camilla is. But yeah, we're like, no. We never did anything about that. <laughs> they did it not really transfer <laughs> over the fandom part that was exactly. present in Cynthia to yeah. the Cisco Camilla yeah. ship. So there's no, there's no foundation for them, really. 
there's no fandom investment, and then there's just, like, negative writer interest to the point that I assume Carlos is just like, listen, I don't even need to be here. Let, let me go. I <laughs> yeah, want to exactly. cut my hair. It's been seven <laughs> I, I, years. I need to go now. I need to go now. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, like, they didn't, even going further than, like, not finding a way for Camilla to stay, which they easily could have done if they cared about Camilla as a character or as a person, or, you know, by extension, Iris's storyline as a journalist, Cisco could just be off screen doing his app job or whatever. He didn't have to leave, you know. He could just be like, I need to find fulfillment outside of our labs. I'm going off to do things off screen. However, Camilla is still here working with Iris. True. But they did not do that because they don't care about Camilla. So mm-hmm. even more than that, they didn't even include her in Cisco's final season. She's just nowhere to be found until like the last episode. And it's just like, okay, bye. I'm here to say bye. <laughs> I, I didn't get to do anything. I just came to tell y'all I'm leaving. So yeah, that's my feelings on that. It's just, it was just terrible. Just how not to write a ship. So on, your, yeah, on your sliding yeah, scale, like where do you, where do you slide in Chester and Allegra then between on the sliding scale of like West Allen to Sismella? Okay. Well, nothing can be West Allen and certainly nothing that is created in these seasons of create, of, of, of uh, creative death. But, but I do think that they have a stronger possibility than what we've what we ever got from Dismilla. And then maybe, you know, like if the fandom is willing to care about them, they could be better than Josiel for sure. Just because I think that they have like that really sweet dynamic. And also you get that like feeling like the new kids in town, right? So that mm-hmm. they're helping support each other and becoming their own little family amidst this already larger family that they sometimes or they don't always feel like they belong to, right? Um, so yeah, so I think there's a lot of things that you could play with uh, for them that could make them very rootable uh, and very engaging. But I think Chester's probably faring better with the audience than um, Allegra, than Allegra is. Yeah. But well, he is the Iris, so yeah. <laughs> um, so, so and I think yeah. it helps that the writers are certainly invested in Chester. Yes. So I feel like they would want. Well, that's to Eric's self-insert right there. Exactly. Right, exactly. So they would exactly. want to give him a ship because mm-hmm. of that only, you know. And I feel like that they're more invested in building something potentially for um, Chester and Allegra versus like Cisco and Camilla. With even their kiss felt like it was to give Chester and Allegra a moment. Yeah. <laughs> ah. So that's how much you know they don't really even like um, Camilla and Cisco. And I don't know that. And then. The foundation certainly wasn't there. And everything for them happened. Like it, this was a this was a prime example of a ship that was more tell than show. We didn't see them at all. We never mm-hmm. saw them going out on dates. We and if we we did hear that they were going out on dates, it's like, come on, Caitlin, come with them. Like, okay. Yeah, that was <laughs> like, weird. Everybody's invited. <laughs> so they never really had any like one-on-one moments, and their biggest moment their biggest moment happened in an episode where Cisco was saying goodbye to his ex-girlfriend. So I don't really think that that necessarily builds a positive uh, foundation for a ship because you're just reminding the fandom of what he had before. Uh, that was better ship. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I also think, I mean, a big part of why Camilla and Cisco, Cisco don't work too is that they just, the actors just don't have chemistry. No. Like they have zero chemistry. So it's really hard to be invested. Even when they do interact for like two minutes, it's not worth <laughs> being into them at all because they don't really deliver on that front. So it's like, I guess if the writers aren't invested, uh, neither am I. 
<laughs> and that's I, fun. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like they don't even like the writers can't even pretend to care about Sismilla. And I think m- mainly it's because they don't care about Camilla. And you're right that it was just mostly tell instead of show. And it's like, I'm going to kiss you so hard off screen. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, like there's that parallel with both uh, between Sismilla and West Allen in that Camilla and Iris were had some time in the Mirrorverse. And um, they just didn't really connect that with Cisco and, and Camilla at all. Um, in season seven, she wasn't really there, just in general. Um, and the only time they really have like an overly display of PDA was just to service Chester and Allegra <clears throat> and help that ship sell. So it just kind of like it's missing, like Tati said, like all three components to give it any kind of like when to leave the docks. And so it's just kind of like, floating aimlessly without direction until it just kind of like floated like right off the cliff like right off the waterfall out of sight out of mind to the point like they didn't even bring her back for the west island battle renewal like they brought cisco back yeah but he didn't bring a plus one no <laughs> so that was so offensive she could have been like like i was pictures. so mad about that yeah right it's like barry could have just like back ran her over you know exactly <laughs> um but yeah but I, th- I think like chester and allegra is the like the baby west island ship it's not canon yet but this is a ship that the writers are definitely the most invested in and putting the most attention in and they're just kind of like building a solid friends to lovers foundation for it um and it parallels west allen the most i think because chester is the iris he's like the heart role always giving like the heart to hearts he doesn't have any powers um so he's usually behind the comms and, you know, Allegra is, like, the insecure super, like, Barry. Like, she has issues with her powers and crisis of conscience. And, you know, Chester's here to pull her out. So there's a lot of, like, parallels there that they are mirroring this, like, baby ship off of West Allen. Um, so I think that kind of helps it have, like, a lot of potential going into the next, hopefully, final season. Um, and then finally, it's, like, very shortly... We have like Frost and Chill Blaine, which I don't know what much <laughs> you could say about that. I know like a lot of people have issues with it just because he is a liar and a scammer. Um, <laughs> but like, so was Frost. So yeah, true. I have issues with it because he's a man. Frost clearly. Yes, was that's, yes, that's, that's true. My issue with it. That <laughs> um, but I think also like trope wise, it is like straight out enemies to lovers. Um, and should work technically, but I think the other problem is is that Chill Blaine is doing all the work to make it work, and Frost, like Danielle, just does not reciprocate the guy's energy to to make it be so wrong but so right. <laughs> so it just kind of like falters more than it starts. And it's interesting because it like potentially could work in the sense that because she is a reformed villain she thinks that she could also reformed him reform him so like that it's just classic interesting trope right there yeah like it's just so. it's supposed to work but mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed. It's, it's more painful than intriguing i guess <laughs> yeah definitely um crack of choice ship that is not canon will never be canon but you think it should be anyway <laughs> Joe and Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Joe and Kramer, let it Joe rise. They had so much chemistry. Yeah. She came the scene, you know, she 
was obviously an antagonist or whatever, and we weren't supposed to like her. But, you know, the writers also were invested in her. And actually, when I wrote an article about Kramer once, it got way more views than anything I've written aside from Barry, about Barry and Iris. Really? So I was like, okay, so there's some investment into, like, what about Kramer's, Kramer's powers, yeah. and, like, her background yeah. and stuff like that. So I guess that makes sense. it seems like fans are interested in her. And the fact that they paired her with Joe is also interesting. So people have been paying attention. So that is my crack mm-hmm. of choice. That mm-hmm. they have a strong and in, an interesting dynamic, dynamic. Like they play off of each other really well. And they have good chemistry. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yes, they do. Do you have any other crack to smoke, Tati? I don't think there is any other crack to smoke. Like there's not really much, you know, left no. in yeah. terms of the crack. If, 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 you know, now that the thing that Godspeed did was kill off... Um, J instead of L- Leah. Mm-hmm. Bring back Leah and make Nora and Leah a ship. That's all I want. There you go. And briefly, um, May, we had some feedback from Sheena and from Joe. I think. Yes, we did. So Sheena says, hmm. <clears throat> I've pretty much have been having secondhand experience of The Flash since the end of season six. I basically keep up with the show through your podcast, YouTube clips, and reaction videos. Mm. Um, I got frustrated with the lazy writing and the constant sidelining of Barry and Iris, especially Iris, in favor of supporting characters that were simply not as interesting as they wanted us to believe. Uh-huh. Um, the heart and soul of the Flash is and will always be West Allen. The show is always at its best when Barry and Iris are at the center. I think the writers know this, which is why they usually let West Allen bookend every season. The problem is that they seem to shelve them in other episodes until they are ready to take them out and show them mm-hmm. off, which is really frustrating. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, Barry and Iris remain the gold standard, even if they are only given crumbs, and I continue to be in awe of the magical performances of Grant and Candace. Every time I think I couldn't possibly love them more, Barry 7-4... <laughs> Um, episodes 17 and 18 really highlighted their husband, wife, partner, and best friend relationship. Barry telling Iris how much he missed her and how impossible it's been without her, even though she was only gone for half a day. Iris, uh-huh. taking, over, uh, Iris taking over comms since she returned in episode 17. Barry and Iris grounding their kids, standing as a united front and supporting each other's decisions. Barry and Iris coming up with a plan to stop Hart. Speed Force Nora using Iris as her anchor because of her love and connection to Barry. Speed, Speed Force speedster husband and wife fighting back to back iconic vow renewal you and i are our own forces of nature flash time kiss i'm still speechless how can anyone not love this couple how can you resist being drawn to them and wanting to have even a fraction of this kind of love no wonder elicity Josiel, caitlin <laughs> and everyone keeps trying to insert themselves into west Allen's business <laughs> um one thing I will always give the show credit for is making it clear that Barry and Iris are it for each other and that there will never be anyone else. They went a bit overboard with the lightning rod and birthing of the forces thing, that I, but I'm glad they didn't insert a third person or create unnecessary drama a la CW. It's canon that Barry will always put Iris above everything, like he did in 716 when he was ready to abandon the Godspeed War so he can go with her into the Still Force. It's my head canon that Iris hides her pain from Barry because she knows he will freak out, which is why I let go of my frustration that he wasn't at her Mirrorverse Survivors meeting. Barry tends to beat himself up with guilt and Iris didn't want to add more to his suffering so she doesn't tell him about the experience. What I hope the show will do even just once is let there be a moment where Barry calls her out on this and let her know that we are the Flash goes both ways. That she needs to share her burdens with him. That she should have... 
that she should have let him know about the meeting so that he could be there for her. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't have much faith in Eric or his writing team to do that, especially no. after that interview with the Flash podcast where he kept referring to future Iris as evil Iris. Oh, did he? Oh, God. Yes, he did. He did. Oh, no. No. It's okay. He said it was a joke. No. Okay. <laughs> Your jokes are funny, Eric. <laughs> In any event, the SS West Island remains unsinkable and they make great people. How amazing were Jessica and Jordan as excess and impulse? Their family dynamic was the saving grace of the season. Thank you for continuing to watch the show so I don't have to. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on West Island and other ships. Oh, thank that you so much, Sheena. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then Joe has a lot of thoughts about she has all, them, like, the all the shows. Yeah. Yes. Let's see here. For The Flash, West Allen, rough year for the gold standard, starting out by having to hastily wrap up last season's excruciating mirror arc with them still separated, then spending the rest of the season with no kissing and hardly any PDA because of COVID. The show did repeatedly establish them as a literal power couple, but it took a weird turn by making them the parents of forces represented by grown strangers. Then, of course, the episodes where Iris uh, Candace were absent didn't help, especially with a subplot of them trying to get pregnant. There were several cute, solid West Allen moments sprinkled throughout the season, and of course the vow renewal, but I don't think it was enough to redeem the season overall. It was great the few times that Barry and Iris worked together this season, but there should have been more. They were either separated or sidelined a lot. I especially wanted to see more of them discussing the topic of starting a family, their hopes and fears and plans that should be a basic for a storyline like this. I don't really have any predictions for West Island next season, but I hope there's more PDA. I think the pregnancy subplot will be mostly dropped, which is a shame. Cisco and Camilla, their only plot was them deciding to leave. <laughs> only because Carlos was leaving. At least they got to kiss once. I'm sad they never did more with them. They were too safe and boring. Mm-hmm. Indeed, that's true. Joseph Seal, did they even have anything this season? Individual subplots with other people, yes, but not really anything together. Their child doesn't even exist, so what's keeping them together anyway? <laughs> That's right. They do not need to stay together for the children. <laughs> Chester and Allegra, I can see it, but if they stay just friends, that's good too. Crackship Corner, Joe Kramer, yes. Yes. Everyone's on the Joe But is it really a crackship if it's canon in the show? <laughs> they went from an, an antagonistic relationship to her powers being activated to same. That, that is like the lot. biggest like West Allen parallel. Yeah, that's true. Paralleling that's the true. gold standard accident or no. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't it was so. a major parallel, so. Yeah. Thank you so much for your feedback, everyone. Um, and so now we leave our um, SS plus Allen to go over and take a look at the middle child, which is Supergirl. Um, we oh, This boy. is only half of Supergirl because we only have the first half of the season. Um, and Supergirl is weird in the sense that um, it tried a romantic anchorship for the first like two, three seasons of the show with um, Jimmy Olsen and then with Monel. And then they're like, uh, we don't like that. So <laughs> they've kind of like shifted aimlessly. Their strongest anchorship um, throughout the series has been the Danvers sisters. Um, last season, we had Supercore in the anchor position just because so much of the um, thematic elements of season five had to do with Kara and um, Lena's struggling relationship. But this season, we start out with Supergirl um, separated from the rest of the Super Friends. And it felt like the anchor ship was the Super Friends just as a unit. Like, everybody is anchoring the shows together. Um, and, you know, we had William and Kara as a buoy. I don't even know that they would qualify as a buoy. You know, it's just like a, a, a life flavor floating out somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know like what we call it. on the radar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
It's like some like a plastic bag in the sea. <laughs> um, and then you know the submarine ships. Um, the biggest one is one half of the the sister anchor, which is Alex. So Alex and Kelly, um, aka Danson. Um, we have Brainia, Brainia and Nia. Um, I don't know what their ship name is called. The Marsh. I just call them the Martian Connection. But it's basically, John and, Mag- and Magan um, are are three sub ships. So. Um, Starting with the anchor ship of the Super Friends. I mean, it could shift towards the back season where we get like a, a legit anchor, yeah. romantic anchor. But right now, what we have so far, how do you think that this ship, family ship, <laughs> is working as an anchor ship? This I, I feel like everyone is another way of saying no one. Um, and so it's really just the, the lack of an anchor which of course has to do with the fact that we don't have melissa for the first half of the season right i mean we have her but she's isolated she's elsewhere so you can't really be forming connections with kara and anybody uh except for like her dad but again that's not that's like in a vortex it's not going anywhere so it can't be considered an anchor um however i do think that the super friends are doing the best they can in kara's absence and I do think that the audience can connect directly with them on this because, like, they're trying to keep Central City or Central City, sorry, <laughs> they're trying to keep a National City together <laughs> in Supergirl's absence, and they're also dealing with their own private life of loss of Kara. And we are trying to watch National City in Supergirl's absence and deal with our own eventual loss of Supergirl. So it's like we are one oh, in that, that sense. Exactly, we're all in mm. this together. Um, however. I do think it's much less focused. It's much less, it feels much less connected. It feels much less driven, even though we literally have had like one job this season, which is kick Kara out. <laughs> it still just feels like the stakes are kind of just like, well, obviously she's going to get out eventually, you know, and we know why she's in there. So like, what else is new? Um, so yeah, in that sense, I think it's been like, you know, it's been the middle child has been a muddled child in terms of ships or at least anchor ships this season. And I guess if you just want to add the buoy, like they could have emphasized William and Kara more if they had wanted to, if they had cared to, um, by having him actively seek out Kara, wonder where she is, connect the dots to Supergirl, et cetera, you know? And then eventually join in and be like, hey, you know what? I have whatever. I care about Kara too. Exactly. Not that he could, but let's say he could have a missing piece of like how they could get Kara out or whatever. And that way you'd be showcasing that he is really, quote unquote, the one for Kara. But mm-hmm. he's clearly not the one for Kara. They are just going to because it's close Kenny. it. Because <laughs> it's Kenny. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we will be discussing this. But the writers clearly saw, like, they, they made a half hearted attempt last season. It was brutally rebuffed by the entire viewing audience. And so now they're just going to let. William collect a paycheck, but not actually do anything with it. <laughs> okay. Poor William. <laughs> <laughs> he had that one moment. It's just like he felt so disappointed that like Kara's not here. Me that she yeah. Was going on a trip. Like why? That, that was <laughs> it. That was the, the most basic, the smallest <laughs> of crumbs that that uh, no shipper because I don't think they exist. <laughs> God. Right. Um. But yeah, as the family dynamic, I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry. I was thinking about this earlier today and. Kind of like, you know, with the Flash and Legends and Supergirl have felt, like you said, Tati, like very disconnected. 
and I'm, I'm because at least on Supergirl, we didn't get to see much of National City, much of the Super Friends doing anything but trying to save Kara. And the sim- same thing is happening to like other shows, probably because like they can't just be out and about constantly mm-hmm. filming like they used to be. Um, and, and it shows <laughs> it shows in these very isolated storylines that, you know, are built around one thing and then it kind of just gets old very fast, which is what happened with um finding supergirl but i do think the super friends like of any of the of every supporting cast in the arrowverse i think supergirl has the strongest where i think the general audience cares about like everybody and they care about you know alex and they care about um you know my god yeah, you don't care, I care. I forgot. Right. I, I care. What do you mean? I'm like, I couldn't remember. Care they care about me. They care about Brainy. So everyone's sort of like, you know, we had fun with the time travel episodes. Like mm-hmm. they can take breaks from Kara sometimes, even though it does feel like they're taking a break from Kara. But it doesn't feel like, oh my god, I can't believe I have to watch these people. You know what I mean? Right. So it really does help that dynamic. Um, and especially in a season where they had to push that dynamic even more because they did not have Melissa um there constantly so i did feel like the cracks but i think that like you said you know they are all the the anchor because there is no real anchor and i continue to be frustrated with this because kara not to say that i mean i will still say that the danvers sisters are the anchor of the show in general because we saw that to play out in season six where like alex was still very desperate to find her sister should go to great lengths to find her sister she would annoy everyone to find her sister so it was very clear (laughs) that alex cares deeply about her sister so they're still very much like at the heart of you know the primary relationships on the show and i think that sort of helps to drive it forward but it also hinders kara in growing another type of relationship as well if that makes sense yeah i feel like um at the bait like as a series it's the danver sisters but then since alex is also like the primary support in the subship it's like whenever alex got a love interest then that's when car had had to shift so in season two three she shifted to monel and then season four it was back to to the sisters and then um i guess when it um, Kelly Camelon, like season five, and then that was Carolina. Um, and so now, like, I think with this one, super, I said super friends because it's like Kara is separated from them and they all have very strong feelings about not having Kara in their <laughs> lives. And obviously, like, Alex has like the strongest and most irrational reactions of that just because, like, she is her sister. Um, but it just felt like everybody was like spiraling. Um, from the loss of uh, from the loss of Kara, um, and so that's kind of why it felt like a, a group project <laughs> that they all had to like anchor the show and be like Kara, why, and remind us of <laughs> of why we love her. Um, and I just, I mean, it it works in some ways, but I also just felt like it hindered a lot of the characters i think the you know having the characters hold down i think you're right that supergirl has one of the strongest supporting casts and that mm-hmm. the fandom sure. genuinely loves every single character um 
but as far as like the whole anchor and pushing the the beginning of the season, I agree that it kind of like felt a little bit stalled um, in trying to get her out. And I feel like it hindered the characters a little bit because, you know, their primary personality was like, Kara's not here. And um, it kind of like slowed down some of their other like personal like progressions. Um, so everyone's kind of angsty, but no one really moves forward much. And then William is just like forgotten as quickly as we see him. And like, he doesn't even have, he doesn't even have any like stake in Kara being absent because he, he just not supposed to know she's Supergirl. So, you know, I cannot imagine them planning to end with a William Kara in game. I just don't see it. Um, so, because that ship, you know, like, like Tati said, it doesn't even progress because he doesn't even know that she's not, that she's in danger or that, you know, he should be doing something. So, um, they're, they're going to do what they did with James and just like forget that that ever happened. <laughs> I probably, probably. Um, but what about like with the submarine ship? So, the, the anchor friends, it's a group project in the anchor, but as far as <laughs> the submarine ships, how did we feel? Um, you know, a lot of with Danson, um, a lot of that had to do with Alex angsting over Kara. Um, but towards the end of the the first half of the season, Kelly, um, she's she's also dealing with her own um, issues of not feeling like she is a productive member of Super Friends. She and, and Lena kind of have that in, in common, and it kind of ends with Kelly. Um, moving towards the direction of becoming the guardian. So um, how do we feel about their, their story in this first half? I think that's, that's pretty much like you just said how I feel like, I think that they're like a very sweet ship. I love their dynamic together. I think that there is good fandom investment for them um, and good foundation for them. But just like right now, it's like, it's not like a problem. Like they haven't done it, like done something wrong or like brought it back, but they haven't yet used it to its full potential, which hopefully will be, the reciprocation of support <laughs> from <laughs> Alex <laughs> to Kelly. That is what we want to see. And then maybe we'll eventually get to like a wedding for them. Because remember, once upon a time, Alex, won, Alex wanted to, to get married. She wanted a lot of things. She wanted yeah. a kid too. Yeah. So and yeah, right. And we put that on pause too. Let's mm-hmm. bring that. Let's bring that full circle. Let's get them married. Let's have some babies. I want to see it. Let's go. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much, I just think that like right now it's kind of like everyone's a little bit in stasis, uh, without Kara, but they have been floating along, uh, well, and I hope to see them flourish instead in the back half of the season. Cause there's no more, we can't go anywhere from there, right? It's the end. Mm-hmm. So I hope that we're going to get what we, what they want and what we want. They too are reaching the end of that clip. Exactly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'll drop off the cliff. Maybe they, they will steer them down to like a safer like route so they can like land safely. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I pretty much agree with that too. I mean, I think last season Kelly did have more stuff because she did have, like they showed relationships with, other people besides Alex like we saw her at her job she got a little bit to do with like helping people and obsidian and all that stuff but this season is is I mean like everybody else they're sort of isolated and it has been more focused on like Alex's feelings and Alex's feelings about car and Alex's feelings about everything so Kelly has kind of gotten the short end of the stick with regards to 
you know, she lost her job now that Obsidian, I guess, like they sold the shares or whatever happened to that company. So it's like she's floating along, but like, where is that going to lead her? So I too would like to see some um, reciprocation because it's been Alex. I, I often feel like Alex is what the like writers hope that. Yeah, she's like the driving force of of the show a lot of the times. I think the writers are very invested in her, sometimes I think more so than Kara. So she gets to have it all. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that to have it all, she needs to give back some too. (laughs) I agree. That's how how they write the ship. Like Alex is the main character. And so like all of their relationship problems rely, like revolve around Alex Mm -hmm. most of the time. And Kelly is just like a free therapist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, f- I feel like hopefully it, in the first half, definitely with Alex just like being so emo, it was like heavily lopsided for her support, even though, like you said, Kelly lost her job, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and she could use some support too. Um, but I do hope that with her on this road to becoming Guardian, um, then that opens up a lot more possibilities of them coming on a level where they're, you know, on the same level in their relationship. Um, And then, you know, like you said, getting married, adopting a kid um, so that the ship can end on a balanced and happy ending. And I think they're the most um, likely ship to Mm -hmm. end the show with like a big romantic thing. Yeah. Um, True, true, true. Yeah, because Alex is the main character and Kara is just, just there. <laughs> <laughs> it's Alex and friends. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but another strong ship, and I think that they got um, a lot of strong moments in this season, when uh, the first half of the season, really, um, Brainy and Nia. Um, so basically, and, you know, they spent some time apart because Brainy went insane and join the dark side um and even though he apologized nia's like you cannot do that I'm, I'm not gonna be a part of this um but you know she still has feelings for him and so um they kind of gradually like reconnect and in the absence of kara and then they had this big time travel episode um where they had to go back in time to um a point in Kara's high school life where she bled like once because <laughs> they needed like her DNA <laughs> um, um, individually. Like uh, Brainy is just like so distraught that his involvement with Lex led to um, Kara being sent to the Phantom Zone and Nia is um, struggling with understanding her powers and not having her mom there to teach her how to use their powers. And so we see um, their ship kind of progress under those storylines. How do you think that the writers are doing with that ship? Um, Is there still the investment there? What do you guys think about it? I think there's investment there. I thought that the, um, (laughs) I feel attacked all the time about this ship. I feel like all y'all are haters of this ship. Who is hating you? You. Everyone, I enjoyed this <laughs> ship. I am alone. I'm alone in the universe. I think that you are anyway. just like projecting. You're you're victimizing yourself. I am victimizing myself. <laughs> anyway, no, I I think I do think that um, 
the time travel episode especially, or the episodes went really, were really good for them and showed that they have what it takes to sort of like lead that ship, you know? They don't always get the screen time or the plot points that they could use, but their dynamic is already um, present in order to provide, you know, the oomph necessary, I guess, if you want to say, whatever, you know? They have, they have what it takes to be more of a ship on the show than they are, which is also true of Kelly and Alex, but I think that this, like, we have gotten to see both sides of the coin with Nia and Brainy. Like, in different seasons, we've gotten to mm-hmm. see this person's at fault, that person's at fault, this person's pushing them away, like, whatever. So we've seen, we've seen a little bit more sides of them. Um, so, so far, I think it's fine. I don't know that it's, I feel like, like you said, I agree that the one that's most likely to have, like, the next big step by the end of the show is indeed Alex and Kelly, and I'm sure that Brainy and Nia are just gonna still be where they are, but maybe we'll get, like, a glimpse into the future or whatever. You Like, maybe they'll finally come back around to, like, knowing Nora, you know? Like, what does this mean for them? Because, like, I remember back in the early days, we were like, no, they can't be together because he knows Nora, and I was like, okay. But it's <laughs> <laughs> clearly not, like, a thing that mattered. No, I so. think they forgot that. <laughs> yeah, so I would be, it would be interesting to see if they ever come back around to it, you know, and, like, tie it up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to see that too because I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> but they did go back in time, so something could have happened. They, yeah. re- they rebooted the multiverse, so <laughs> things have changed. <laughs> but I agree. I think that they're. I really like them this season, especially because, like, last season was very heavily reliant on Nia being there for Brainy, Brainy being very distant. I did not like that um, because he's working with Lex. And, you know, I feel like they really found their way back to each other this season. And there was a lot of reciprocation in terms of Brainy now supporting Nia and her feeling like she can't really do this without her mom and kind of like finding the confidence in herself to be a hero. Um, so I think that all of those story beats really help them kind of solidify their relationship and strengthen it um, as well, because they were for a little while, they were sort of floating along. The writers weren't not that they weren't invested in it, but they didn't get like enough moments for them to kind of evolve. And I feel like now they're they've really reached a place where they're both really strong as individuals and they're stronger as a couple because of, you know, their buddy time traveling um experiences and i think that that's been a that's been a turning point because it's allowed them to be way more open and honest with each other whereas like before they were sort of riddled with like issues of being able to connect emotionally or having communication problems and lying to each other and whatever so i feel like now they're finally on the same page and it really shows yeah i agree with that i feel like that's where i am with them too like it feels like they are on the same page um as far as like there's more of a balance with them this season um so like like last season you know Brainy was like working with Lex and so he was pushing all this distance um but then Nia would like disappear for episodes at a time and then she wouldn't come back until it was like to support Brainy and his man pain storyline um but this season I feel like it's it's more like Brainy is like dealing with his stuff but Nia is also dealing with um, her own kind of like character development journey with relationship to her mom and they communicate about that. And so there's a, you know, areas for Brainy to support Nia um, 
And I think also just like in his um, relationship with Lena and but like, you know, unpacking the tiny boxes that they locked all their emotions into. <laughs> so there's like growth there. And I feel like that is also influencing his um, growth and his like relationship with Nia. I thought the time travel episodes were great in how it just kind of like um, pushed them forward as a duo. Um, I love the whole like little nine to five moment and how to you know calm yourself down and release the anxiety and the whole prom um dance everything i felt like those were really really sweet and probably some of the best um moments for that ship um so it'll be interesting to see how they because that's this is all like while car is not there so when we reintroduce car back into the main storyline does a lot of the space that these smaller ships had to grow, does that kind of affect them? Do they shrink back into the to the background or what's going to happen there? So that'll be interesting to see. Um, then the, the final ship to talk about is John and Magan. Um, John is, you know, emo again, because he is a dad and he's lost his daughters once. And now like his, um, his his pseudo daughter is gone and in the fan zone and um Magan is like trying to support him but then she also gets um attacked by the phantoms and there's a, a possibility that you know John might lose her and so um you know they're they had they had some pretty shippy um moments there. What do we think that where do we think that they're going with this ship? Like how you know talk about like their moments up in this first half and where you think that they're going to go for John and McGon. Um, I don't know where they're, I mean, maybe they like go off to colonize a new planet together. Like I don't know, I like make a new Mars. I will say it's like, it's progressed so much from where it started. Yeah. So there's a lot of growth. Yeah. Just they've definitely, they've series long. Right. They've definitely made like, they, you know, grown by leaps and bounds from, their first arc where they just kind of like left off with like a little kiss or whatever, you know? And I was like, all right, see you never. Um, now she's back and it feels like, it just feels like they've, like, I don't know, been together the whole time. You know, like it feels they've had a lot more um, screen time than they actually have had because of the progress that they've made. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they just kind of like are like the the the, the parent. They, 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 they could be like the Joe Seal of the show, but like. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that, like they're mom and dad, you know? Exactly, exactly. But with more, you know, like, <laughs> hopefully uh, more <laughs> more love for Megan than there is for <laughs> Cecile. Um, but, yeah, no, I really think that they'd probably just, like, you know, end with, with like, John getting to retire from <laughs> whatever he's doing <laughs> and actually, you know, once again try to, like, start over, you know, family-wise with Megan. That's, that's all. That's the, that's the thing that I would want for him. Um, what do you guys want? That's a really cute want. I, <laughs> I I like them a lot. They're just sort of like sailing along, you know. Um, well, and I like have they edit, Was it this her. season or um, maybe it was I feel like it was, maybe it was this season because it's like the end of of last season. It was supposed to be where they had like the mind meld. Mm-hmm. They had Marsh. He popped his like Martian cherry of like mind melding <laughs> with Magan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very like it very. 
intimate relationship on all levels. Um, so I don't know. I, I do want to see more of them because I don't feel like we. If anything, I think that really sailed the ship. <laughs> it did. It did. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's several episodes left. I do think that they could start, like, especially after what happened with um, Jean's brother and father and, and whatnot. So I feel like they can establish it so that he would want to either remain on Earth with her or go back to Mars and help her with the like revolution or whatever they were doing there. Um, so... I feel like it's got he like he's got to go back to Mars. Yeah, like I feel like that's that's the the right way to end it for him because also his brother's back there and now mm-hmm. like they get along. So very true. So you know he has a Martian future, which I'm I'm happy for him, and thank you, McGon, for this. <laughs> I just I'm surprised that we've seen so much of her because I was not expecting to see as much of her as her as we have been. So it's it's uh I guess a pleasant surprise that they the writers care enough about. John to give him this relationship right. in full for the final season. So I think that is something. That is um, yeah. Uh, crack of choice. I mean, that would we should have added this because it's not a crack ship. It's, it's not a crack ship. Or, it's not but, a crack ship, but the end game, the possibility of end game, the possibility of it existing again <laughs> is very yes. slim. I don't know. I With think Car and Kenny. It could exist. Because I I, I feel like my mind. Okay, so this is my argument about why it's going to happen. Because they still could have done the whole time travel story without bringing back Kenny. Like they could just been like, oh yeah, he and Kara broke up and have ended it there. Like they didn't need to show him. They didn't need to make him such a big part of knowing her. She's Supergirl, helping her out on missions and doing all of this extra stuff that you know most guys would not do. So Kenny is just like the sweet man who just needs to come back into Kara's life. They did not kill him off. Yeah, like yeah, he died like pre-crisis. That's so the that's thing. Just, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Because so like, like it, that, that, I agree with you. That's like the the most like signs to me like why it should happen and why I want it to happen because of the way. First, he didn't die. Second, the reason why they broke up is just like, you know, very admirable on both counts. And it's not that they don't like each other anymore. It's just kind of like, I need to do this little thing myself. So, like, in terms of, like, full circle, coming back at the end of the season, she's a very established Supergirl. He could be very established and, you know, did what he needed to do. It just felt like there is, it's open-ended for him to come back. And he was, and they didn't show any kind of, like, red flags in their relationship either. It was, like, a really solid relationship they Mm -hmm. built in the course of two episodes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Solid foundation. I, I like to imagine that, like, one day he'll just read her byline and be like, Kara. And then he'll just, like, go to National City <laughs> yeah, and, like, even, like, even if so we cute. don't, if that is, like, the end, like, if that's, like, the I'm last. Headcanoning, like, guys. If, like, Kenny is just, like, opens, like, a, a newspaper and sees her byline and it's like, I think I'll make a trip to cap to, to National City and then it fades to black. That'd be just, like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll do I that. love that. I love that. <laughs> I think of all the ships that Kara has had, Kenny is is by far the sweetest. And since they're never going to do her and Lena, clearly, like the writers are not invested in that as a romantic love. They might as well bring Kenny back since they do seem invested in this ship by miles of him and her William. I feel like there's something there with Lena and Andrea. That could be a thing. Lena and who? Andrea. Oh, yes. Yes. I 
want that. <laughs> I want Lena and Andrea. I think that they have all the same like ingredients that people would have liked liked about um, Supercore, but mm-hmm. that you know the writers are actually willing there. to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> they're both like really like strong businesswomen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe sure. had some. She had some short Supergirl thoughts. Oh, she she wanted to talk about Car and Kenny. <laughs> there oh, there you go. go. We didn't talk about Car and Kenny. <laughs> Did and we love them and I totally support this. Like <laughs> that that they I'm were going sweet to and worked days. better in two episodes of the past version. Yes, they did. We agree. Mm-hmm. So you know, we want them. We want him to come back. Kenny deserves. Kenny deserves that. Yeah. In the present day. <laughs> <laughs> well, Car deserves that too. So. Yeah, sure. I mean, after the Phantom Zone, she'll just be looking at life anew. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and then we will move right along um, on along the docks to the Wild Child Legends of Tomorrow, and they are led by their anchor ship Avalanche. Um, basically, um, the previous season ended off with um, Sarah almost dying and Ava having to Ava coming. She left the bureau. The bureau is no more, and so it was her first season full-time on the ship so season five established the co-anchor co-captain otp tagline for the ship and really brought ava more into her co-captain role um and then season six started off with sarah being abducted by aliens and um it was on the night that she was planning on proposing to ava and so a lot of the first half of this season has been Ava trying to get back to Sarah um, and eventually they do get Sarah back um, and now Sarah has popped the question and they are planning on their um, wedding. So as far as the anchor goes, um, they had kind of a, an enemy to lovers foundation um, since season one coming into now. Um, so they've really progressed the ship there. The writers are clearly invested in it with Sarah being their main protagonist. It, it, it's an ensemble show, but basically Sarah is the lead. Um, so this is the the romantic lead ship. So there's writer investment there. Um, it has huge amount of fandom investment. So that's like tick, tick, tick. Um, how do you feel like Ava Lance as a ship progressed and why do you feel like it is superior anchor ship in the CW Armada? <laughs> <laughs> this year, yeah. Uh, this year, yes. Um, I would say that, like, while I might argue that Legends of Tomorrow, this has not been one of its strongest seasons. Mm-hmm. It's had some really, like, high points in terms of episodes, but overall, the progression of the season has been a little bit weak. That being said, the strengths of the season have been from its ships. Um, most especially, of course, Avalanche being the larger ship and the one that drives um, the story forward the most. But they managed to do what uh, the Flash, you know, did la- did the did Mirror less, season did did as not as well. <laughs> yeah, did not as well. But they they tried to not do as it. And effectively. Like, it, I would say the Mirrorverse still it did work. The Mirrorverse one worked. The then what they tried to do this season not so much, right? And it certainly didn't even try with Josie Hill, et etc. But by separating the ship um, and then having one person's drive to get to the other be what's sort of pushing the stories together. 
that part worked really effectively. It strengthened Ava Lance's bond, and it even strengthened the bond of the team as a whole, right? Because the whole team is trying to get Sarah back, both because they love Sarah on her own and to help Ava, right? Because they love Ava, and Ava loves Sarah. Um, And that's, I guess, also, you know, something that Supergirl was trying to do without the ship part of it. But still, like, Supergirl also was doing that, and it also didn't work as well as as Legends of Marvel. Legends of Marvel had the best uh, recipe here whether it was because they spent the most time with Sarah and how Sarah is getting out of her situation. So it does feel like two nearly equal sides, you know, meeting in the middle, or if it's just because the writers are still more invested in those characters in that ship than the writers of Supergirl have ever been invested in Kara. And that (laughs) the the current showrunner of the flash is necessarily invested in, you know, romance. So, Anyway, overall, very good. A plus. I love it. We had some really big moments um, and and smaller moments that paralleled and called back to each other um, so that we see how much the writers pay attention to Avalanche and care about the ship. We still have people like, you know, the peanut gallery, like like uh, Gary, uh, egging on the ship from the sidelines. Um, and we have some, like, echoes of the smaller ships even though for some reason they all involve Zari <laughs> that tie us back <laughs> Zari's getting busy on all fronts <laughs> yeah um, that tie us back to Avalanche so yeah overall I think there was just like a really really well constructed in terms of its ships and I think it's because Legends of Tomorrow is a show that lives and dies by its relationships whether they're platonic or um, romantic or like some kind of gray area in between yeah, or whatever they are like just the the dynamics between characters is the reason that you would watch legends of tomorrow there's nothing going on in legends of tomorrow if you don't care about the characters um <laughs> so for that reason maybe maybe that's the reason they always pay special attention and make sure that you know they're doing something worthwhile with said characters there you go there certainly is a lot of team building. Yes. Which this last bowling episode has shown us that is oh important. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. Um, in terms of like Avalanche in general this season, I do think, I mean, they are certainly a superior anchor ship this season. I think that also because they're like the one ship, honestly, in the Arrowverse that has gotten to a point where they're showing like West Island parallels and it actually works where it doesn't feel like they're shoehorning it in or trying to build authenticity where it doesn't exist. Um, I think Sarah and Ava like really continue to impress as a couple. They definitely have all three elements of uh, what an anchor ship should be. Uh, and like West Island, like you said earlier, you know, they were mostly separated in season six, but the reunion was like really beautiful. They're getting, they got a proper proposals, very epic. Um, they're getting the whole, like, you're seeing me in a wedding dress too early storyline, which I feel like, again, draws a lot of parallels to season three, four, West Allen. Um, everyone on the ship supports them. They respect their co-captains for life. They know their relationship goals, which is, like, ultimately what an anchor ship should be. Others recognizing that you're a power couple status. <laughs> um, and the writers are obviously clearly invested in them and want to give them big, epic moments and smaller, more intimate ones. Like, we still see them, you know 
in these grand, like, whether it's, like, fireworks with proposals or, you know, sweet little moments about, like, oh, my God, you saw me in the wedding dress. But, like, oh, but you look really cute, though. Like, it's yeah. just, like, small things that I think build the ship, have built the ship over time that and, and makes them all the stronger because we get to see, we continue to get to see those small moments, which I think that The Flash certainly lacked in season seven and that Ava Lance does have. Um so I think overall, they're a really strong ship. They've gotten to a point where they're on the same page. They're like, they're very secure in their relationship on both sides. And everyone knows that. And I think that they're all the better for it. it makes all the rest of the team dynamic better for it. So they are very much, they've become like the heart of the show as much as Legends is obviously still an ensemble and it doesn't work without the ensemble. But Ava Lance is like the you know, what's holding them all, what's holding the whole team together. Like we saw like with Sarah gone, it's like, oh my God, a piece of the ship is gone. And that makes Ava miserable, which makes everybody else miserable. So it kind of like filters down. So that's, that speaks to like their power couple um, status as well. And I think that in the Arrowverse, as, as we stand now, and we put in all the seasons of all the shows, they're definitely like pushed all other ships out of the running for the number two couple spot. In, I agree with that. Universe. I definitely agree oh, with that. Definitely, yes, yes. In the series, in the entire series of ships, I, I definitely they're they're in the, the silver position, mm-hmm. um, the silver standard. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I agree with you guys about like you know how they had a similar setup to um, you know Flash storylines and to Supergirl storylines, but they are the one that pulled it off the most effectively. Um, and I also think, I don't know if it's because it's, it's an ensemble cast and like you guys said, like the writers really care about the relationships, sometimes more than the plot really. Um, but because they care about those individual characters, relationships, it feels like you get both sides of the relationship development a lot more. Um, you know, with The Flash, it's very heavy a lot. And so we don't always see the flip side of him supporting Iris and in, in her, you know, career, her, whatever. Um, but with Avalanche, you, they had the whole last season to really establish co-captains of, um, I was going to say co-captains of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> co-captains <laughs> for life um, with, you know, Sarah really kind of like coaching and helping Ava and, you know, supporting her and just kind of like being her cheerleader. Um, and then in, in this season you have like, as much, even though Sarah was separated, she still had a full story that we saw. And there were also like other Ava's in her story. So even though they were separated, they were still kind of together in that sense. Um, and even though I don't like the way that Ava was, how like some of her, like her personality switches when she's trying to like save Sarah. But, you know, we can see the fact that save Sarah is the plot that's driving the story and Ava is in the front of that plot, pushing the story Um, is basically, you know, it's doing what the anchor is supposed to do. Um, And then I also think just like the little things, you know, we're talking about the small moments, like the the wedding dress, um, which I thought was another cute, like West Allen parallel, but also like we were saying was missing with West Allen with like the little everyday things. Like when Sarah first, when she gets back, the first thing that, she and um, Ava do besides like reunite intimately 
um, they like, you know, so catch me up. Like what's been happening? And, you know, they go through like this like little gossip between the two of them on, you know, it just feels like very um, natural and those little kind of like sweet moments that they have with each other, um, the way that they kind of reunited um, when, you know, Sarah came back and the first time that they saw each other again, the whole, the fact that the entire ship is cheerleading this, their captains on. Um, I think a lot of that helps to kind of just build in the show. Um, how much the ship is like loved and supported, which also further like helps anchor the show. Um, so that's, you know, the, the silver standard on of the Arrowverse, but they also have their submarine ships. Um, you know, Legends is a, a show that likes to ship people um, in all different kinds of combinations. Um, but as far as like romantic ships, we have Constant Z, which is Constantine and Zari 2.0. Um, they started their relationship last season. We have Steel Hacker, which is Nate and Zari 1.0, which has been pretty much off and on hold. Um, depending on whether he can book a flight to the spirit realm <laughs> and visit Zari, or she can switch spots with um, Zari 2.0 and come out for a couple days. Um, we have Mick and Kayla, which is, um, it happened, and now Mick is pregnant. <laughs> and we have, this one is not canon yet, but it is on, I feel like it is like um, similar to... It's a, it's a grower, and it's not showing yet, but it's growing. <laughs> but Behrad and Astra, um, there are signs and seeds, something possibly forming there. So um, two of these ships have a Zari in them, so why don't we just lump them together and discuss Constant Z versus Steel Hacker? Um, which, which ship is... is like the ship that hits the right notes. Okay, like obviously, Constant Constant Z is the superior ship. Duh, Constant Z is the one that's bringing it home. I don't know um, what's going to happen with Constant Z, and I am an episode behind. I haven't gotten to watch the, this week's episode yet. But you didn't miss anything. Okay, good. So <laughs> with Z. we're still on pause there. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little concerned about the status. You know, I think is it true that they said that Matt. Matt back. is confirmed, but he's not coming back as Constantine. As Constantine he's coming exactly. back as a completely different character. Exactly, which is very, like, I'm like, what does this mean? So I'm very nervous for their future. But I am, so far, I think that they have, obviously, the better development. Um, and and at the same time, I do acknowledge that both Zari ships can exist at the same time because they are two different Zaris. So, like, that's fine. I just don't like one of them. <laughs> I like the Zari, I just don't like the ship. <laughs> Um, however, you know, the writers have shown commitment to both, right? They obviously just love Zari so much, they feel that there should be enough Zari to go around. And I cannot blame them for that. I, if I were there, I'd want to get with Zari too. So like, I understand that they want to just, like, split it up and just, you know, let everyone have a Zari. <laughs> um, making Kayla, again, like, it's just kind of like a thing that happened. But I do like that it was a launching pad for Nick and Mick. And I think that... One thing, like, you know, the health, the one sign of the health of a television show is how many new ships you are getting, right? Like, that's, like, how productive the writers are being. Because even though people are like, oh, my God, I'm 
heteronormativity or just like, oh my God, like not everything is romance, whatever. Yes, one of the easiest ways to write a dynamic is to write a romantic dynamic, but to do that shows investment in wanting to pursue that character, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, you could have found a different way of doing it, but the most obvious and easiest and most common way is gonna be romance. And so the fact that there are so many legend ships going around here, just like run around, um, going places or not going places, but at least giving you, you know, the seeds of it is because it shows that the writers really care and the audience cares enough to be picking it out and looking for it. And that would be my overall thought on that. <laughs> Gee, that, that part is true. Um, <laughs> Legends has always uh, been very ship heavy. They suddenly became the show that had the most ships, which I was kind of I surprised about. I don't think they have... <laughs> necessarily the most ships i just feel like they have the the most combination of ships that fandom likes to ship mm. if that makes sense that yes. does make sense which also is you know healthy for the show it shows that the fan base and the and the creators are like in harmony right mm -hmm. so that's true um and on legends i mean you can really ship anyone with anyone and it really works so mm -hmm. um Except for Steel Hacker. <laughs> <laughs> Except for this one. <laughs> In the verses, um, I <laughs> obviously like Constancy more than Steel Hacker. And that's because there's just something about them that is just, they have a lot of, there's a lot of sparks there. And I think that, you know, on paper that they wouldn't really it's work because making exactly a, a good connection. Two wrongs yeah, are definitely so right I together. Think that exactly <laughs> and like one like Zari has elements of her personality that bring out good the good stuff in John. John has elements in his personality that kind of bring out the good stuff in Zari and it makes it so that they both sort of enter this stage of not discomfort but like places where they weren't before in other types of relationships that allows them to be more comfortable being vulnerable with each other and actually going to a stage where they weren't comfortable doing that with other people maybe so i think that that's it makes for a really interesting dynamic it also like they have a lot of charm to them there's a lot of chemistry there between um Tala and Matt and it just really works on every level and the fact that like the beginning we saw um with the singing competition episode and how they sort of resolved their issues there. And that made them a stronger couple also shows like the writer's investment in them. I can't say that that's going to be the case moving forward because like, like right now, like yeah, just they like... are tearing it apart because like we saw Constantine leave on his own little solo mission to get his magic back. He has magic back. He comes back and it's like, Oh, Zari's in this home. I was like, all right, well, let me flex my magic. I'm like, okay, then that's that on that. <laughs> <laughs> so it does feel like they're starting to drift away from their investment in that. Whereas with Steel Hacker, they're putting their foot down. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and it's very frustrating because I'm like, oh my God, Nate, you had an out. <laughs> so it's really interesting. I And I, I mean, part of the reason I don't like Steel Hacker is not because I dislike Nate and I just like Zari. I just don't like them together personally because like they're kind of boring and also they don't it, it's just the relationship is sort of there and every time that something happens it's sort of like even this last episode it felt like 
some of the drama was contrived in the sense that like somebody else had to mm-hmm. point out to you that oh my god maybe you shouldn't be in a relationship i'm like how did this yeah. come up with this rando <laughs> you know like if you're not seeing your relationship clearly then there's something wrong and sometimes yes strangers can you know make you have an epiphany but it didn't feel organic in any kind of way so i feel exactly. like the writers are obviously invested in it but the I, way that I, they I write the shit they don't, they don't write it like they're invested in it well, that's but the thing. They, they, they continue writing, writing it. it, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's the problem, which I feel like is partial investment. But also, I just think that they're more f- afraid of ha- having Nate be alone because if he's not attached to yeah. a character, he has nothing else because he no longer has Ray. And if he loses Zari, that's that. And him and Baharad are could, cool, but we don't see that run. dynamic yeah. too much, you know? And I feel like Steel Hacker also takes away from the dynamic between Zara 1.0 and her brother, yes. which is why she left the totem which to begin is, with. She was supposed to leave the totem and spend time with her brother. Yeah, and here we are, like, going on dates with Nate. I don't understand it, but whatever. Yeah. And uh, Mick and Kayla. <laughs> Mick and Kayla are fun. They were really fun for what they had. I think they had a lot of, like, flair and chemistry and stuff like that. And it kind of gave Mick something to care about and actually gave him a storyline, um, even though... They just kind of did away with Kayla so quickly because they they care more about Nate instead of just like some random alien lady, I guess, which is upsetting because I would have liked to see more of their dynamic because it did, again, give make make something aside from like being grouchy and drinking beer. Um, but yeah, and Mehran and Astra. Looking forward to that because it's there. They're planting the seeds. You feel like every time that they interact, they could be a ship. <laughs> they're certainly very interested in each other and I think that they are they can make an interesting pair because they work like to me at least like Zari and Constantine in that they're Mm -hmm. very opposite of each other and they can bring out the different sides of each other that we have yet to see and certainly they their characters like will help them evolve as people individually and as a couple yeah I feel like with um the Zari ship versus Zari ship if we take break down like the, the three, I guess, like again, this is Constantine Nation over here all day, every day. So Constantine and Zari, I feel like they they are the superior Zari ship. They are like an opposites attract kind of ship. And um the flaws that they point out in each other kind of help them in season five, you know, they were pointing out flaws in each other, but they're also there's that attraction to each other so to help push the ship along and then in season six like you guys said you know they are um dealing with they're both kind of relationship adverse it seems like for different reasons but they're kind of growing through those together and i think there's like a lot of like zari 2.0 has a lot of um not that 1.0 doesn't but you know specifically one of zari 2.0's character traits is she has like a really high emotional intelligence so she um can kind of get Constantine to open up in uh situations where he normally would not and so um I feel like they have I feel like because I like it so obviously everybody else should like it I don't know but I feel like they have more of a foundation and the way that they um progress from being opposites to attracting so we got that foundation there. Um, I think that the writers are invested. They were invested in, in Zari 2.0 as a new character. And they were invested in Constantine just in general. So that was there. And then also I think there was a lot of audience 
um, um, excitement for the ship. So I feel like that was great. Whereas with Steel Hacker, I don't really, I, th- I think it was organic, inorganic from the start. I didn't really believe the way that they set up Steel Hacker and that Zari just all of a sudden had um, a crush on Nate. It just was not believable to me the way that they set it up. So I didn't really think the foundation was strong. Um, the writers are invested in Nate <laughs> for sure. Um, and so there's some investment there, but I, as far as audience investment, I don't think it is as big. I mean, it, there could be a huge still hacker nation that I just don't know about because I don't go searching for it, but, um, I just don't think that it is as strong, but it, it's weird the way that, um, things are playing out because it feels like they are pulling down constant Z to replace it with still hacker. Like they, they, the switches seem to be coming like at the exact same time. Colin Constantine is like going through his junkie phase and separated from Zari. And all of a sudden Zari 1.0 is back in. And all of a sudden like Nate is like um, just even from the beginning of season six, just like moping over not having Zari and still being lovesick. And now that they're bringing still hacker and they had this very, like, like you said, it was contrived plot of maybe we shouldn't be together to realize that no actually we do belong together we should fight for each other so it's just kind of like it feels like it's coming more into focus as constancy is fading which i don't understand <laughs> i don't understand why they're doing this because i don't want still hacker but um that's just kind of the way that it, it appears to be going they appear to be trying to like sink one ship to raise the other um Mick and Kayla is like a like same side should repel, but they actually attract and um, they both kind of like, you know, both of them are have like very similar outlooks on life and they kind of treated it as a fling, but it kind of developed into it grew from that into something more serious. And then, you know, obviously they they like Kayla, you did your part and <laughs> so now you have to go but i feel like you know it it was weird and it happened but it is promoting like mixed growth and the fact that he's pregnant now and he has to be responsible for all these alien babies don't know how that's gonna go but it does feel like they are um, especially that they're paralleling it with his daughter and then being pregnant at the same time um it's been good for for his growth and his development as a person it's just kind of unfortunate that they um thought that they could just do it without Kayla um, and that she didn't matter as much in the ship. Um, and then with Beharad and Astra, I think it's the most interesting of the baby ships. Um, both Beharad and Astra could use the development that the ship provides. Being in a romantic ship provides, as Tati said. The actors want it. I want it. <laughs> I feel like, like you said, May, that they have the same, a similar um, trajectory as Constance Um <laughs> They both have uh, Tarazi and they both have like a, a Hellraiser with Constantine and Astra. So I, I feel like there's parallels there. So they could work off that same um, dynamic. So um, maybe we'll get more of that. I don't know if you can have like a crack of choice on this show. Because I feel like any kind of crack that you want is like low-key canon anyway. <laughs> but do you have like a, a duo or a dynamic that you would like to see more of in particular? 
Um, well, I think Bayrod and Astra is definitely one that I want to see more of. Um, I don't know that I have like an, a new, a different, <laughs> uh, but you know what, actually, uh, I would think I would just like to see Spooner and like everyone, like there's like, I don't know yet who I want to see her spend more time with. But I, I, would I, mean, like, I like her mm-hmm. dynamic with Astra these last couple episodes. Spinner Astra is probably mm-hmm. one I like the most. I was going to say, too, because, like, the actresses are seem, like, really close in real life. So I would like to see uh, what their relationship looks like. Like, we've seen Spooner and Mick and Spooner and Astra. And right. we could have more of Spooner and everyone. Yeah. Um, we don't have any feedback because Suara did not understand the assignment. <laughs> 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 you sent us episode feedback, which we are not Aww. doing this week. We'll do next week. We'll get you next week, Suara. Um, <laughs> so we're going to move right along to the emo child, Batwoman. And Batwoman, and specifically this season, is a little bit um, we- weird or, you know, as far as, like, identifying who the anchor is. Because we did, like, a whole rebrand for season two. So the anchor for season one, obviously, when Kate was the lead it was batmore and that's specifically kate and sophie um season two the ghost of the season one anchor is still there because it drives a lot of um the plot for like sophie's plot really and you know resolving that and transitioning over into javicia's ryan um and ryan's anchor for this season and only this season because you know she leaves midway through would be Angelique. So we have kind of two anchors. We have one is resolving Batmore, and two is the transitionary Brian Angelique. So we don't have a permanent one yet, but we do have those two that we can compare. Um, then submarine ships. Alice gets a solid one with Ocean, um, and that is an undercurrent throughout the season. And then we had a minor one with Luke and Steph. Um, Stephanie Brown when she arrived um, and we guess we can I was going to say see how that kind of like ties in with Luke and Mary although you know they say that they will do Hamble Fox eventually but it doesn't really appear like that yeah. so it's not They've really saying that since like season one and we still haven't got right. shit <laughs> right. so um, let's start with the the anchor ships of Batmore and then with Ryan and Angelique. I don't know how you want to break those down, really. Because um, it's not they're not really in competition with each other. And they're both kind of like take half the load. Yeah. I was going to say we're saying farewell to one and hello to another. But that's not true. We're just saying farewell to both. Right. We're saying hello, goodbye <laughs> to one. But <laughs> they're both gone. So I, I think that... In terms of establishing who Ryan is and what she stands for, what drives her, what her fears are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Angelique was a good uh, anchor ship. It was a good ship for her, slash it was a decent anchor ship for the first part of the season. Um, And we got to know a lot about Ryan through her, and we got to root for her, even if it was because we were like, no, get away from Angelique. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So in that sense, I do think it worked out. And I do think they could have written it in a way where they would keep it. So that it was, you know, like there was more of a sense of continuity. I'm not sure why they chose a ship that then they were going to dispose of within the same season. But in terms of being like a transition into who Ryan is and where we're going with her, it worked for me. 
um, Batmore. I don't even like. <laughs> there was not very much of it <laughs> this season. Well, I guess in but, terms of like Sophie, mm-hmm. you know, yes. trying to find out what happened to Kate. I did like that. I like that we got to integrate Sophie much more than we did last season. Even if it was like spurred on by the guilt she felt over not really getting to be there for slash with Kate um, in the last season because she was left out of the loop. So it was nice to have her put herself in the loop because of that. And that her loyalty to Kate also inspired some of her dynamic with Ryan, you know, and her wanting to be there for team um, Batwoman slash the new Batwoman. so, yeah, I guess also the fact that both of them now were saying goodbye to what their anchor ships are puts them in an interesting position for the future. For those of you who want to ship it, I don't know that that's where we're going with it, but it does sort of feel like they're like on an even playing field kind of thing, you know, or at least it bonds them together in a particular way. So, yeah, I think it was like a little bit like a little bit messy because the season was, of course, going to be a little bit messy because we were literally switching leads. But um they did they did the best they could with it and they improved upon the first season by a lot so yeah they definitely improved upon the first season i think i mean in terms of batmore it was it was an interesting dynamic because kate was obviously not around for like 99 percent of the season and we immediately got you know sophie breaking up with julia because of learning about Kate being Batwoman and learning that she did love her with her whole heart right as she leaves. <laughs> so we got like Sophie didn't have any ships for the rest of the season because of the abrupt ending with Julia. And then I'm still mad about that. Yeah. So we didn't really get to explore <laughs> right. that part mm-hmm. of Sophie in a relationship and maybe seeing more of like how she felt about everything because that could have been Julia. So I don't know what the deal was. Because they just dropped Julia eventually too. She didn't know what happened to Kate. After her mind got jumbled up by. Um, what's her face? She um, went to Germany. and just She did? Know, she's still yeah. there. She, Maybe she just day, took a long vacation. <laughs> to this day. She is still wandering around the streets of Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. I mean. You sort of forgot that like Sophie was a part of um, Batmore, but then we had like one very fiery, sexy moment. Oh my god! <laughs> Between her and you know Kate with the new face, and it's just like, oh my god! I remember why I shipped the ship. <laughs> I don't even know how Kate managed to leave Gotham I after know. that. Like that's just like it was just so good, and I think that moment really kind of mm-hmm. redeemed the whole the the general lack of. Bat more this season because of the whole like Ruby Rose situation. So I feel like I that's like that... a West Allen, like in similar in the sense mm-hmm. that we didn't get really we fed until the very, very end of the season. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then like a big a moment, you're like, oh, the ship. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it was a good moment for them, even though we never really saw Batmore set sail into the horizon because we didn't get much of them at all. Um, so it's, it was like bittersweet. Um, but at least we, they got like a great send off, I think in general. So, and it's like, yes, they love each other, but they also set each other free, which I thought was very nice. No yeah. one feels tethered to the other anymore. Um, 
So, yeah. And in terms of like Ryan and um, Angelique, I do think Ryan and Angelique is an interesting ship because it is rare to introduce someone and then just like send them into witness protection. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like, a, you know, you're never really going to see them again because now there's no way that they can come back. So it was really interesting to have Ryan have a relationship with someone she clearly cared about, loved a lot, but also someone who was like the relationship itself wasn't necessarily in a healthy stage yet but as like over the course of the season we sort of grow we sort of sort of saw it grow into a healthier slightly more honest uh relationship so when they did say goodbye to each other it didn't feel like we as fans were like missing out on the potential of what could have been ryan and angelique Mm -hmm. um so I feel like they ended that on a good note as well. And, you know, as a Wildmore crack shipper, I will. <laughs> I like the fact that, you know, Ryan and Sophie are now on both single and ready to ready mingle. To mingle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think for um, both of them being anchor ships, Batmore and Ryan and Angelique, I think they both did what they were supposed to do as anchors, even though we didn't get to see a lot of the actual romance and the relationship both of these ships in their own ways kind of like push the season because you have that more um with kate and sophie from season one being like the anchor um they had the the foundation of being exes and still in love with each other the writers were definitely invested in it because kate was the lead and then you had the audience invested in it as well so you know, you can't just like drop off and leave that. So in this season, a lot of that fell on Sophie and you got, um, it got an assist in the beginning of the season with Kate's love letter to Sophie. Um, and that kind of carried through with Sophie um, trying to do what she could to watch when they thought that Kate could possibly be alive to save Kate. Um, and then towards the end of the season, the very end, when Kate and Sophie are reunited and they get that moment with each other and the kiss. And then it kind of like really is like the highlight of that ship for the series, you know? So this, it as an anchor ship, Batmore is still doing what it was supposed to do as an anchor ship and anchoring Kate's part of the storyline, um, which I feel like Sophie kind of shared with Alice. Um, you could call that another anchor for, Batwoman season one as well. Um, you could actually, you could probably like argue about which one was more the anchor, Batmore versus um, Allison and Kate, which I think is probably Allison Kate. But as far as like romantically, it was Batmore. So romantically, it was doing what it's supposed to do in the season as well to kind of carry through that and finish off that storyline. And then I think with Ryan's anchor with Angelique, it's her her relationship with Angelique also pushed her story for it through the first like half of the season. Um, it, like you said, it introduced us to Angelique um, and Ryan's backstories a little bit more. Cause they were both um, children of like the foster care system and how they kind of bonded and eventually grew their relationship. And Angelique being um, the cooker for the false face society and being in danger that also pushed that, first half of the season with Ryan trying to save her from 
false face, from herself, from the system that they both found themselves in. So I thought it was like really nice. Um, it definitely felt like a, you know, you two are not for long um, kind of relationship. But I like, and I like that they ended it. But I like that they ended it in a way because I was like tired. <laughs> I went on roller coasters of being like tired of the ship and um, just leave her alone, let her let her fail, you know. Um, but I like that it ended with both of them being able to get out of the quote unquote system. So I thought that it did what it needed to do to ground Ryan in the story and kind of like show you who she is, where she comes from, what she believes in. Um, and really gave her some some something to anchor her as the new Batwoman, um, because she the her only other like anchoring relationship was with her mom, and her mom is dead, so we can't really see that or put have it pushed. Um, it was pushed a little bit with the fact that Alice is the one that was responsible for killing her mom, but they cared more about the Angelique storyline. So that was that was like the primary anchor that helped push Ryan forward. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with her anchor in season three and beyond which if you crack ship <laughs> it could turn into a real ship um i'm I'm more on tati's side that i don't know that that's where they're going i thought it was like really interesting that um jordan sophie's sister pointed it out like oh enemies to lovers realness and you know sophie was like i don't think so and you could say that sophie's lying to herself Exactly. That's one interpretation by Phantom. And the other one is just like the writers <laughs> are literally telling you we're not going to do this. So it could go either way. You know, um, we shall see. But the most consistent ship is this like support ship this season, which was Alice in the Ocean. Um, what, what were our feelings on? <laughs> I think someone was <laughs> mad at us at one point because we didn't like Alice in the Ocean. <laughs> But as as far as like what as as far as like what the ship does narratively, you know, are all the elements there? Did it do what it was supposed to do as far as like moving the the season along? I feel like it did. I feel like Alice and Ocean moved a lot of pieces for Alice and for the Sophia storyline. Um, it definitely gave us a whole new side of her that we hadn't been expecting, and also offered some like interesting explanations for her behavior and also like twists and turns for what she might do next based on what was going on with Ocean. So overall, I thought it was, um, you know, well done. They had a lot of chemistry. The ship itself, understandably, not everyone was a fan of it. And I cannot blame them for that. It took up a lot of time, probably more time than was necessary. (laughs) Um, But, I can't, you know, I really enjoy it. So uh, I was like, poor Ocean when he died for like 16th time. <laughs> but <laughs> I do think that it set up like a really interesting like option or possibility of like, you know, what would happen if Alice just let this go, right? What if Alice took this route with Ocean? And then we see all these opportunities that she doesn't take and how it continues to lead her further down the path that one might hope or fear for her. So overall, I thought it was good. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely had, the writers were certainly invested in it a lot. They <laughs> just never got sick of writing it. And uh, <laughs> and I do think like the actors themselves, like they had great chemistry together. Yeah. You know, some of them are just like, oh, do I need to see this? I'm like, oh, but they're so, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of sexual tension there. <laughs> um, so on that front, like they did a great job with it, and you know, I do think uh, clearly fans that they were mad at us and they were invested in it as well. So <laughs> I think I do. I will say that like I agree with Tati that it did take up a lot of space where it didn't necessarily need to, but it did also give us someone outside of the Kate Jacob circle who could actually, you know, give us more layers to Alice with regards to like where she was versus where she is now and her mindset and stuff, because I don't think that any of the bat team would have done that necessarily. Um, So on that front, like it really worked, but at the same time, I think that they, they often over, did it in the sense that like we didn't it could because it was so disconnected from everything yeah. else you know what i think? didn't feel like it had to be there all the time i think the thing of the, of the like the three points of you know foundation writer and audience the weakest part of the ship is like the foundation because it's built off of a relationship that suffered amnesia <laughs> and so all of like the, <laughs> the building part of that relationship is told through flashbacks and we don't really get to see it play out in real time and also it's a different Alice than the Alice that we were introduced to so it's kind of like you know and the Alice that we know you know the Alice that we were introduced to in season one and the Alice that we still know now and so trying to get because we never got introduced to a Beth other than you know the one that came for like one episode and then she died but um so I feel like that's like where the shakiness comes in and either you are along with the ride because you love Alice. And so therefore you are interested in Alice and Ocean or because of the shakiness of trying to like get on board with the fact that they're telling you that this happened and that this was a a really good relationship. Um, But not really seeing how that played out and how that relationship grew outside of like flashbacks here and there. Like I think the writers were definitely invested in it and they tried to put as much of that in as possible. Um, but you know, the gaps I think didn't work as well for me at least. Um, in thinking that cause it, it just, it just felt like it was taking up a lot of time to tell this story to get the foundation right so you can understand that this is a great ship um, (laughs) instead of it just being like a a great ship. And I do agree with you that I think the chemistry is there. Investment was definitely there. I just think that it's just like, it's a hard story to kind of wrap around and get involved in because we're starting at the end and trying to like hop around to the beginning and the middle. so I think that's that's probably like the the weakest part of it. Um, but I do think that as a ship, it did a lot for Alice to give her something to stay afloat without Kate, because Alice's strongest connection in ship was with her sister in season one, and that was one of the things that I was had the biggest question mark on on how are they going to incorporate Alice into season two without Kate (laughs) because it just doesn't work and so Ocean did a lot to help um keep Alice afloat in the sense and then I think also because of the connection to the way that they connected to Sophia and the way they connected to Angelique they allowed for um it to support some of those other ships that are also kind of like 
having to share duties because we just had to like reboot the entire franchise in a season. So I think in that perspective, it did do what it needed to do. And it was like a solid support ship. I don't know if we want to talk about Luke and Steph because it was just an episode. <laughs> um, we could talk about the lack of Luke and Mary. certainly preferred it over Luke and Mary. <laughs> they did. And there's this open door for it to progress and her to come back. Um, it was nice to see Luke get out of the cave. It's always nice to see him get out of the cave and have some sort of like interaction because it just feels like his <laughs> yeah. entire life is in the back cave. So in that sense, that was good. But I don't know that we can. It's not really. It wasn't booing anything up. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, I just thought that I was expecting it to go somewhere, and it didn't go anywhere. Like they could. Like a paper boat. <laughs> yeah. Right. There you go. A paper boat. Like it could have made Mary jealous. Didn't do that. Did not. Could do have that. given uh, Luke a relationship. Didn't do that. So <laughs> it could have anchored Stephanie to. You know the team and our and and the Batwoman world didn't do that. Didn't do so that. <laughs> they could have even like, brought right. her back when Luke was dying. It's like, oh yeah. no, we missed an opportunity to date each other. Nope. No, they didn't do that either. <laughs> no, nope. nothing, nothing. So you know, thanks for the effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the other only other like relationship that happened and then disappeared was um, Ryan and Amani, which is her second ship coming out of Angelique. Um, but that also just seemed to be kind of um, reminiscent of Kate and uh, what's her face that we don't like Reagan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That level of commitment, which was practically non non-existent. Although I feel like, you know, Brian, like I feel like Ryan and Monty also ended open endedly. I don't know that it would, because they ended it. I don't know that you could reintroduce it as an anchor. I guess it depends on how they incorporate the, um, YMCA type deal that they're doing the community center. Yeah. Into I, feel, I mean, I feel like Imani just not being because she's not a series regular sort of hinders like how much they can do with the ship to begin with, unless they like love her so much they're gonna bring her I back all the time. So much. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do that. It sort of reminds me of um Anissa and Jamila briefly. Oh uh, yeah. Black Lightning. Like that there was something there, but it never really, it never really pursued it beyond, I think, like a one night stand or something like that. So, you know. Well, <laughs> and Mary, Mary got no love. Oh, no. <laughs> at oh, all. No, no. No. You know, crack of choice. I have Wild more, but also I'm going to throw in Alice and Sophia. Oh. Oh they my! Had, they had great chemistry too. So that's interesting. Very interesting. I am they clearly hate each other. <laughs> yeah, I'm like Apple Box since it's crack right now. Yeah, <laughs> I would have to be on crack to think that there is a ship. <laughs> Bitch, I am. This is the right so that they were laying the foundation. I was like, oh, no, um, no, I you're not that foundation. Because no? even when he <laughs> saved her from like her fall at in the finale. And that that would have been like a, a moment like ooh like oh my god right. Luke I didn't see you in that way but she's like what are you doing like <laughs> <laughs> opposite reaction yeah it's very like buddy buddy you know I don't know yeah. what's going on there <laughs> we're praying for you Hammer Fox um, <laughs> we want you to pull through because like you know it is crack at the moment <laughs> uh, but um, finally we get around to the play cousin Black Lightning 
Um, they are family, but they are not, you know, they never really got really integrated into the Arrowverse family. So it's just like, y'all got my cousins, but you're not my cousin. But anyway, um, I I can't even say that we have anchor ships here. I just think they're all like. Oh, booty. wait, we forgot to read um, feedback oh, wait, sorry, Joe yeah. for Batwoman. Go ahead, Joe's, Joe's Batwoman feedback, oh, and then right. let me get back to like yes. dragging, <laughs> fighting. But continue. Um, Joe's Batwoman feedback. Um, I really just want to be the Alice Ocean Defender. Oh, they didn't have much substance, but they were hot. I thought it was were you the one that was mad at us. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that they introduced a love interest for the main antagonist. It's true, they don't usually do that. But Alice is essentially the secondary lead, so I guess it makes sense. They actually made me feel a little bad for them when Ocean was killed for real. They were mostly a fun disaster couple, but I think that they should have had Ocean be more stable and devoted to her and her goals throughout. When he killed um, Enigma and then got back with her anyway, that made no sense. I guess this relationship was to show that Alice is capable of love and change, but they showed that better with her and Kate. Mm-hmm. Air points. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we can move on to Black Lightning, <laughs> and I can, you know, rant or argue that I don't feel like there is an anchorship. I guess you could say feel like it, like do a Supergirl thing and say family, but the family wasn't even family in <laughs> this season, right. to be honest. Um, so I just, I kind of like downgraded them all to buoys. Um, you have Jefferlyn, which um, they. Were in a well, they started in a productive place because they went to to counseling, um, but they um, spent most of the season at odds with each other. Um, Jefferson is distant because of Henderson's death and not wanting to be Black Lightning. Um, Lynn had dealt with addiction last season and so um jefferson views some of her experiments in trying to um create these meta boosters as another form of addiction um lynn has some issues with jeff not uh stepping up and being the protector of the family like he used to be so they went through a lot of um ups and downs lynn went to jail um or almost you know she was she was arrested and um kind of tried to save it at the end with um, Jefferson um, exonerating Lynn from prosecution because of that racist lady with like the silver juice that was controlling people. And then you had um, them uh, broach the subject of renewing their vows and Lynn be like, nah. (laughs) And they kind of ended in like a neutral place. Um, You have Thunder Grace, Anissa and, and Grace this season um, well, they started off last season living together and it progressed to them being engaged and, and doing like a, a quick wedding ceremony, but that was interrupted. And she was um, grave digger, brainwashed one of them to attack the other and whatever. I can't remember who attacked who or how that started, whether it was Grace that attacked Anissa and she had to defend herself or the other way around. But it ended with Grace in a coma. And so this season opened up with Grace in a coma. Um, but when they got out, they kind of picked up where they left off, got married, and were um, married, but also still having these, like, weird arguments and Anissa keeping things from Grace um, about her family and not really opening up. Um, 
and they kind of ended with a uh, redo of their wedding. So they ended up in a, a happier place. Um, that was theirs. You have Jen and Khalil who spent the entire season separate. Um, but at least Khalil's story was very much rooted in helping Jennifer um, through helping her family. Um, and so a lot of their ship story was from his perspective because Jen did not know that he was still around um, or back in town, really. So those are the ones that we're working with, with the family. Um, I guess you could talk about just the family dynamics in general, them as a, a Pierce family unit. Um, but what did we think about the state of relationships on Black Lightning? Any of them, all of them. Well, <laughs> this one is definitely like the biggest mess. <laughs> what do we say about the state of relationships in Black Lightning? Um, I I feel like Jefferson. The problem with Jefferson is that from the start, like we were introduced to them as divorced, right? Like in going back to the very beginning, they had already had all their problems. They'd already not. They were not strong enough to get through those problems, you know. And they never resolved, like, really what went wrong. Because I will never forget thinking, okay, she gave him an ultimatum that she was going to leave him if he didn't stop being a superhero, right? And then when we meet him, he hasn't been a superhero for, like, ten years because of that ultimatum. But she left him. So uh, clearly a really bad communication. Because why wouldn't she come back in those ten years if she still loved him? And then it just got, like, worse from there. Like, they seemed to come back together, and it was nice in one season, and then they just slowly started falling apart <laughs> more and more season by season until the whole family was splintered. So this season, it's like, I don't even know if I would want to root for people like them to be together because it seems like they just really don't understand each other and don't want to try to understand each other. Um, there wasn't really any storylines that... Um, required them to be together or even to be in each other's orbit to propel the narrative forward it seemed like all they really did was fight um so yeah overall it was like at the end they got back together they like reunited they remarried and were like happy for them just because like they're like nice people and we don't want them to be sad so i guess we're glad that they're glad they didn't remarry though they just were like or, together. or whatever yeah they're they they're back like, to their status but quo didn't he of being give, together didn't, but not together yeah. didn't he sort of like do like a little like proposal thing or whatever like let's get married and then she was like i think he like, said no. they decided to re get remarried right yeah right that's what i'm saying they oh said so it. they just like, made the decision but yeah we, yeah he, like, proposed to her. he like proposed to her we didn't actually see it but like he proposed to her and then i was like i guess i'm happy for y'all but i don't really have thoughts <laughs> on it <laughs> so yeah i think that it was like such a shame too because they actually were pretty strong in the first season in terms of just like having an interesting story of like, oh, I'd, I'd like to see them work their way back to each other. But then they just never really went anywhere with it. And we never really got to see them in the good times to miss it for the bad times. So that is um, my take on that. Thunder Grace, I guess I'm just, you know, jumping right in there. Thunder Grace had like the opposite or like, or maybe not, not really the opposite, but just basically Thunder Grace had like all the potential in the world. And I would have loved to see where they go with it. And then the end, I got the ending that I would have wanted for them, kind of, you know? So I'm, like, happy overall I'm satisfied. Except that they skipped so many large chunks of the how we got there that really kind of was unfair to the actors, to the characters, to the story overall. Um, so, yes. 
yes, I, I completely agree. <laughs> um, Black Lightning was like, especially this season, was just a mess of relationships. It was all over the place. I think Jefferlyn, that's the thing. Like, they were really good in season one. And you got a sense that they had their issues, but they were like coming back to each other and they were super sexy and they had a lot of moments. But I don't know what happened. It's just like the writers. I wouldn't even say they were th- they were invested in them at all after like halfway through season two, and ever since then they've just sort of been on a downward spiral because it's like all they like you said all they did was argue, everything was a confrontation all the time. Um, they never really got past like even those fights they were never resolved properly, so you never got the sense that they were actually building towards something so that by the time like jefferson decides to repropose it doesn't feel like when barry tried to do it with iris it's like oh no we're just doing it because the show's ending and that's what we have to do <laughs> so it didn't feel um very organic and it didn't feel like it was earned um and they were just sort of they still had so many unresolved issues that they never really talked about and it was just really frustrating to watch constantly because like i did start off liking them and then it's like i didn't my investment wasn't there because the writer's investment wasn't there and they were just sort of throwing them under the bus every single time they had a chance to. So, I don't know. It was just a lot of pain in season four. And then in with with Thunder Grace, I feel like was even worse because they didn't necessarily have the foundation, but they promised to give us a lot of things with them and they didn't deliver on that promise at all. Um, like we got you know, they had a cute meeting and stuff, but then they decided to give um, Anissa time to date other people, but then they didn't really, like, by the time they got back together, it was like, how could you fully root for them when it wasn't in a way that actually felt authentic to either character? And then, you know, by the time that we did get anything, we thought that, like, you know, Chantal becoming a series regular in season four would be like, oh, this is when we're going to get the Thunder Grace that we fully deserve because they have her around all the time. And it just proved that the writers were not invested in them at all because they had her there and they still didn't do anything with that ship. It was just it became sort of like Jefferson in the, in the sense that, like, it was constantly they would argue a lot over things and bring up issues that were never also fully resolved and then the wedding like they would just put obstacles in them because I don't think that the writers wanted to write them as a couple and it was always frustrating because they would sideline Grace or they would sometimes make Anissa emotionally unavailable and it was just like again frustrating to watch so it was like I don't know a lot of great potential with these ships and they didn't really do the legwork to make any of them work the way that they should even though they had the setup right there and it still flopped at the end it's not that they didn't even do the work it's i feel like it's that they actively set out to destroy yeah. what they created <laughs> they, were, they were playing battleship they were yeah <laughs> um yeah i feel like jefferlyn had the same problem um as west down a little bit but taken to the extreme um, they didn't have like a great foundation to begin with because like you said, Tati, they started off as divorce, but it was still solid. It was still there. And the audience was rooting for it to happen. Same problem as in, you know, the, the three things, not like 
plot lies, but you know, they didn't have as great of a foundation, but it was still solid. Audience was rooting for it from season one for them to get back together. And it just feels like the writers committed arson on their own ship and just destroyed everything that was good about it and exacerbated everything that was bad about it to the point that by the time we got to the end of season four, I did not want them together anymore. I wanted, I wanted Lynn to leave him, uh, you know, get with her um, lawyer friend that got her out of jail. <laughs> I was just not, there was nothing in there left for me to love or be invested about it, um, which is really kind of a shame. And I don't know what went down there, why they decided to just torch their own ship. The way that they ended the ship, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, you know, it's like you broke something like you like a, a present or something. And you're just like, I'll just like, just put it like wrap it and put a little bow on it. And, you know, it's still good. No, it's just like broken and shattered. I'm putting a bow on it does not make it not broken and shattered. So um, I just kind of feel about that. And I just feel like they never liked Thunder Grace. There was never any writing investment in that ship despite it having so much tremendous fan support um i felt like this the foundation was shaky because the writers didn't care about it and they didn't know which way they wanted to go with anise uh, um Nisa's character whether she was going to be like a playgirl and just like play the field and be kind of like a um fuck girl sounds really bad but that's i mean that's kind of like you know which is a character choice and you know she could be cocky and and have that kind of like uh, personality in the beginning or, or whatever. Um, but they didn't know if they wanted to do that versus, you know, having her be with Grace. And so there was just all these like fits and starts in their relationship where Anissa was just like not committing. Um, and then you have the, the issue with Grace not being around much. And she was in the series regular, so you don't see her around as much. Um, I think their best season was season three when the writers actually committed to developing them as a ship um so that was probably their sweet spot um they got the wedding or the moment that they should have that fans should have gotten at the end of season three if it hadn't been interrupted um so it's nice that it ended in that way for them they definitely fared better than jefferlyn but i still think the way that they got there in season four the the shotgun Wedding from a hospital bed was not what we deserved for that ship. It's not what they deserved. And then they have these, like, weird little arguments where, like, Anissa doesn't feel the need to tell Grace that her family's having issues or, like, you know, y'all are married. So why wouldn't she be involved or, or know about that? And I think there was, like, another one. Um, they are, you know, the two have powers or not have powers and, you know, all these little like arguments that didn't really amount to anything to push their characters further or develop them. So it just seems kind of like pointless, you know, bickering for no reason. Um, so you don't, you don't really feel as a fan that you get the full return on your investment that you put into it, into the ship. Um, Cause writers suck. <laughs> they don't like romance. But then the one ship that they do like, and they spent a lot of time on it, even though we were like, you know what, we're good, thank you, <laughs> is Jen and Khalil. 
um, Jen and Khalil had a good foundation season one. Mm-hmm. They started out as friends and classmates, and it was sweet high school romance. And then, um, you know, they went through their ups and downs. But this is a ship the writers seem to care about the most. They care about Khalil the most. Um, fan investment just went up and down based on really what Khalil was doing, whether he was an antagonist to Jen or he was with her, or sometimes both. Like that one when they like try to run away together, and it's just like whatever. Um, so I mean, it's gone through a lot, but it's clearly the one that had the most investment in it. Um, what do we think about their final season as a ship? It's funny because, like, yes, they were pushing Khalil and Jen. They would not let it go. They were totally invested, even when some parts of the audience, at least our part of the audience, was like, "Please stop." Um, but then, by the end of the season, by the end of the show, I guess. I feel like I was like, and many people were like, okay, well, when are we going to get like the closure for Jen and Khalil or like, you know, the little hint of like hope for the future for Jen and Khalil or whatever. And instead that's when they were like, no, torture. <laughs> we don't care anymore. We want this stupid Khalil spinoff that then did not end up happening. And so we're just going to like cut off all ties with Jen instead of doing the opposite, which would be the smart thing to do and be like, I need to see Jen. And then you'd be like, oh my God, Jen's going to be on the spinoff. Let me check out the spinoff. But mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Because there was a spinoff. So I guess all that proves is that Khalil was indeed number one for them. Like, the reason that they cared about Jen and Khalil was because they cared about Khalil. Yeah. And so then when they had the opportunity to branch Khalil off without Jen, they were like, bye. (laughs) We don't care about you, Jen. Um, Because it was indeed, like, the least. It was such a, like, unsatisfying resolution. Like, no, I don't need to see her. He didn't even find out that she, like, looked different. Even, like, like, his whole entire, like, plot in this season was helping you know redeeming himself by helping the family so he could like get back to jen and he's just like no what i'm okay yeah i don't have to see her it's fine it's like what <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i would say like maybe in season three up till season three they were heavily invested in uh-huh. jen and khalil like they were just hardcore ride or die <laughs> but then season four and i guess because they were because they were setting up the spinoff and maybe they already knew that obviously like China and McLean was not coming back, that she was not going to be a part of the spinoff, whether it got green light, green lit or green not, lit. but mm-hmm. yes. And uh, so I don't know, maybe it was that and that factored into their decision making, but the fact that they still prolonged the whole angst over not seeing Jen, not wanting to hurt her still felt like there was some investment there still mm-hmm. right until they took all of that away and decided that he should just have amnesia instead. <laughs> uh-uh. So I don't know. It was, there was still potential there, but I feel like they could have, if they were invested a little bit more, they could have made it so that he was angsty over, you know, Jen, not being the Jen that he knew a Jen with a different Exactly. Face. They had a they whole thing. That. There. It's because he showed up in way more episodes than expected. So they still could have toyed with that concept because he was in um, Freeland. It's not like he was, you know, away. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like that was a missed opportunity to sort of take the ship all the way from where it started. And then they just decided not to. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, I think that was like, the because there is so much potential of him, like him being different. Like now he has his um, altar under control and then her not even being like looking the same way. And there could be, you could have had something there. Um, even if they were going to end with them, you know, not together, 
you know, Kate and Sophie ended the season not together. Brian and Angelique ended the season not together, but there mm-hmm. you still felt like there, there was love there. And it just felt like they went through all of this. They built it up so much. And even like the whole like idea of angst of, you know, if you do this, you will be cured, but also you will not remember Jen. Like that's very angsty and very tropey. Right. And then they, I think like he did it and was still okay. I don't know, something. And then, you know, she's like, actually, I'm not going to go see her. I'm like, why, why does that yeah. make you think like given them a last <laughs> goodbye since they didn't yeah. have to come back? Especially, have, like, especially if he's going to like go not remember her. Especially if he's not going to remember her after he does what he does. That would have been the perfect time to be like, say goodbye. Maybe she doesn't know it's the last time, but we know and he knows it's the last time. And that would have been like a perfect kind of like thing for them. And they just like, Decided to not, <laughs> but like crack of choice, crack of choice. Who is I your have, crack? Um, Tobias and Lynn. Even though this season they didn't get as much as I thought they were gonna get, but they did exist. Tobias <laughs> and, and since Lynn. This is like yes. Black Lightning's last Love Boat episode for us. I still stand <laughs> okay. behind that ship because they I- did have fun times. <laughs> I stand behind you, standing behind it. That was, we were robbed. Robbed. Another option would have been Jason Lynn. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Well, mine like is a very cute. Relationship. Mine is very cute, because I say oh. TC and, and Jen. Because yeah. I think that, that had potential. That was another one where it felt like they were giving. I feel like there were signs there, and they just like, this is the second time that they have duped me. With a possible Jen and different boy ship with like Brandon last year, which now I cringe <laughs> at. But this was a solid one. This was going to be good. Um, and they were just like, nah, psych. Um, but anywho, um, what is Joe? Because I think Joe had Black Lightning feedback, right? Joe says, okay, so I'm pretty convinced that the writers showrunners hate Lynn for some reason. So I think that affects how they write Jeffrey Lynn. The show was not kind to them this season. They were going to therapy, which was a good development. But throughout the season, they always seemed to be fighting or disagreeing, keeping secrets, while they were both individually going through different struggles. Then the writers introduced an unnecessary subplot with Lynn's ex to make Jefferson feel emasculated. Why? When the writers knew the show was ending, they threw in Jeffrey Lynn getting remarried. But they hadn't actually resolved issues from throughout the season. Lame. And this agrees. It was great they got to work together and had some more screen time, but the super fast elopement and then fighting the next episode was just weird. Their journey was kind of bumpy when we did see it. They got to have a wedding reception at the very end, though. Jen, all the boys. <laughs> First, Jen TC. Their friendship was cute with both actresses, and I could uh, could see something romantic, maybe, but the show decided not to do that. Jen Uriah, also cute, but Jen had, but Jen, they had to, they had to make. Jen makes stupid decisions with him and her lightning identity. And what was the reason for killing him off? <laughs> right. As if these characters don't already have enough trauma. So unnecessary. Jen Khalil, not much went on with them, but Khalil clearly still had some feelings. Although they did introduce a potential love interest for him in his backdoor pilot that looked interesting. But then they in- ended the show with his memory of the Pierce's wife, so there was some potential for Jen Khalil starting over again or ending it forever. Ship name Lightning Pain. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Oh, I forgot then, Gamby and Lauren. Oh, yes. Gamby and Lauren were so cute. <laughs> um, oh, I yeah, really I forgot about them. They were, you know what, they were the best. 
they were the best. Yes, women. yeah, they were the most healthy for, despite him lying to her. But yeah. they made up. And they, you know, <laughs> that's that's, that's the hilarious. The, the family. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like that Gamby got a love interest this season and stuff to do outside of the bunker. Lauren seemed like a really good match for him. I did not like that he was being shady and using her while having sex with her. Glad mm-hmm. she wised up and figured things out, and they seemed to work things out. She's a good addition to Team Lightning. Agreed. And I like that she also just didn't like forgive him immediately. He had to work for it, so that was cool. Um, so that ends our uh, shipping episode. It was a monster, as they usually are, but hopefully that you have you know sailed the sea with us and you enjoyed yourself. Um, tune in next week. His next week is going to be really special. Um, it's going to be a double podcast episode because um, we have to catch up on you up on Legends and Stargirl. But also, we are going to do a special. Um, we're going to have special guests to discuss the season of Batwoman with us. We're going to have Stephanie Williams. Um, some of you may know her. She is a comic book writer. She is writing um, Nubia for DC. And she's going to be joining us to talk all things of Batwoman season two and Javitia's like casting as Batwoman. So stick around for that. Um, and then also, of course, since we have regular shows, we will continue to do our, our regular um, recaps. Um, so if you have feedback or yeah, feedback for like two, two weeks worth of feedback for Stargirl or Legends, you can contact us, ladieswcumption at gmail.com. Or if you want to give us your first impression thoughts in the first three episodes of Titans, you can send that in as well. But until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.